Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. We are just back here after an unbelievable weekend of European knockout rugby in the Champions Cup, in the Challenge Cup. There's other stories to talk about and we're going to get into all of it over the next, uh, well probably seven hours. (laughs) (laughs) So strap in. Yeah. Uh, How are you doing JB? I'm very well, thank you mate. How are you? Good and well done. We've worked out how to actually start a YouTube feed at the same time that we start the actual podcast. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe a few more gremlins to line up, but yeah, good enough. Good baby enough. steps, baby steps. And Phil, how are you doing? Hello, very good, thank you, Tim. Hello uh, hello to Hayden, hello to Otis, um, who are on the, the live feed on YouTube. Yeah, we do that on a Sunday night, so, um, you know, uh, it's, it's Monday, isn't it? On a Sunday night normally. Yeah. So yes. if, if, like me, <clears throat> your other half just watches Line of Duty and you haven't got into it, then... You know, you're not into Line of Duty. I've never watched it. I'm not into this season of Line of Duty. And you've got to remember, <laughs> Line of Duty is nothing about the story. The storyline's rubbish. Everything's rubbish. It's all about Ted. All about Ted. So yeah. I've watched the first two seasons of it, and I, I couldn't stick with it just because I think some of the overarching storyline is really, really good. But the the certainly in the first two seasons, the character dialogue and the interactions between the characters... Hello, Steve. How are you? It is <laughs> awful. And the, and the main guy who's supposed to be like a hard nut... Cop investigating cops. Jed Mercurio is that the guy? Is that the one who everyone talks about? I don't know. Steve Arnott is, uh, Steve, is, is, yeah, is DCI my hunk. DCI Arnott. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. play, I don't know the name of the actor who plays him. I, I don't he, know. If, he, I don't know if Jed Mercurio is the name of an actor or a name of a character. I've got no idea. No, the the main guy is he's from Northern Ireland, and I think Northern Ireland is. If you're going to do a UK cop show. Your main hard guy or your main cop asking from Northern Ireland. They just they just do cop characters better than anyone. Like the guy. Um, he was the cop from Peaky Blinders. No, the hard. Oh, I haven't not, seen that I, show. I, I have not seen Peaky no, Blinders either. People from Ulster make the best oh, hard cops, like McCloskey. Yeah, exactly. McCloskey would be a tough cop. It's just, it's just the, just the accent. You, <laughs> you know that they mean business. <laughs> um, DCI Stockdale. Stockdale. <laughs> yeah, ex- ex- exactly. <laughs> not so much um, DCI Dried Pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, we are at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. He's at JB Moore. I'm at Cocker. Phil is lurking in your DMs. We're on YouTube where we put videos up through the week as well as this podcast, which, well, ordinarily is always there for you every single Monday morning. An exception on this particular occasion because um, because of, we're recording bank holiday. Bank holiday hmm. Which I, I realised I only found out today Americans don't have. 
Good uh, Friday or Easter yeah. Monday as as bank holidays. Did they not? Well, as federal holidays, sorry. I should say. Yeah, they get very, very few standard holidays in America. Yeah. So apologies to our American listeners who've been waiting an extra 24 hours as they let us know about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, or, And apologies to them for talking about uh, a TV show that they've never seen. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, we have so much rugby to talk about, but I first think that we should just touch on the fact that rugby returned in the last seven days. Yes. At amateur levels. It so, did. JB, you would have had a training session at, at Didsbury Talk H. I took my lad along to, oh, to, yeah. to his first mini rugby session last Wednesday oh, night. Good. Although he's not so mini now, is he? What, what are they playing? Uh, no, well, yeah, I don't know. What, what's what's under 13s? I think it's under 13s. Junior? Did it go mini junior? It might be in junior. Yeah, I think it's junior I, now, yeah. I don't, I don't know. So you'll have three years of juniors and 16s, you go to Colts, don't you? So, before we know it, Colts. What, whatever it is, he, he loved it and they got absolutely flogged. And it was nice to see a lot of numbers down there. But Good. I, I did go for a walk yesterday and could not believe the amount of cars that were parked up everywhere. It was great to see and the amount of pitches that were full, but... Of football matches happening, yeah, which is a worry. Yeah. Which is, that's a worry for me, being that rugby's a long way off actual well, games returning. That I, there are football matches going on all over the place. Yeah, I mean, it can be a worry. Uh, I would just say this: like you know, Broughton Park, where you'd have gone, has always had like three rugby pitches and twenty-six million football pitches. <laughs> so yeah, it's just one of those things. It's easier to it's easier to facilitate. You don't need to be as dedicated. Yada 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 yada. I won't worry about it too much. However. Listen to this. So I went to rugby training on Tuesday. Now, putting aside the fact that rugby training was absolutely awesome, like it usually is at Talk H. You were coaching, of course. I was not coaching. I oh, you know, running about. I was running about. Nice. Like a deer. Um, <laughs> well, we play in Fallowfield, right? In Fallowfield Park. We don't play there, but we train there because we've got a lovely 3G surface, rubber crumb, and on the outside of it is this bank. So the bank must be, it's definitely over six foot because you can't see over the edge of it. And I ran to training and as I was running there, I started Humble to... Humble brag. Yeah. Well, it's more of a sprint. I ran to training. Sprint. Yeah. It's more of a continuous seven, seven kilometre sprint. Um, as I got there, I noticed more and more young people who, you know, looked relatively well dressed up, or dressed up, I should say. Yeah. And by the time that I got to training, even though there's this little bank and you can't see anyone, you can just see each other, we could hear nothing. Absolutely nothing except for music, people talking. We could hardly... We, there were points where it was genuinely hard to talk to each other because there was so much noise. And it turns out on the other side of this bank, 3,000 people. Wow. 3,000 people in Fallowfield. So did you uh, go and pick up some cans and get amongst it? Uh, do you know what? I did ask, shall we just go... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sack off training. Yeah. Hello, fellow students. <laughs> 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 so we didn't do that. Uh, just, yeah, amazing. Just, just to people that are watching, I apologise if the audio is cutting in and out, and hopefully the audio hasn't just cut in and out, as I've been saying the audio is cutting <laughs> in and out. That would be ironic. It wouldn't it just. We will work it out, but I, I think we might need to get a, bit, a different bit of kit than that. That's not the problem. That's the problem in the Wi-Fi range. Oh, okay. So the Wi-Fi extender. All right. Well, we're working on it, but be patient with us, please. Um, in, in terms of training, yeah, I'm going to training on Sunday. What? Who's training? Uh, I'm going to Rugby Tots. Oh, for, you? Oh, for Thomas. Wow. Is your enough for that? Because I've been looking at Rugby Tots for bloody ages. Yeah, Wilmsville Rugby Club um, are doing a little seven-week. It is Rugby Tots is the, is the brand. Awesome. No, no idea what it'd be like, but I think it'd be quite good fun. You've got him a little full kit uh, of any he, he description. Gets, he gets sent uh, a kit as part of this, oh, but I he? might I might see if I can. He has he's got an old England kit, but from when he was like 
nine months old. So it. It won't you, fit him now. Are you going to prepare him for it? What, um, I'm going to prepare him mentally. Like shouting at him? Uh, yeah. Telling him he's worthless? Yes, I'll be doing that. Yep. Um, pointing out all of his major flaws all of the time. Yeah, exactly, good. Very loudly and aggressively. Yeah, and do it in front of his friends too. <laughs> <laughs> How much did you enjoy this round of 16? Bloody good, you know. Which yeah. which we never get. It's usually to a quarter final after the pool stages due to the the change in the structure we got this round of 16. And as an experiment, would you prefer to see it again in future? Damn right. Look at the scores. Yeah. Just look at the scores. I, I would I would be happy to have this because I, I mean under normal circumstances a pool of 4 so you play each of the other three teams, you play them home and away, so you've got six fixtures from the pool stage. Um, it feels like a lot of fixtures that are, by the end of it, kind of dead dead rubber fixtures. So um, I would much prefer shorter pool stages and straight into knockouts. We are thinking alike, Phil, because I was going to say, I, I, and I think the beauty of this is I can explain it in a couple of sentences. I, my structure for the Champions Cup idea, which is such a good idea, they will never do it. <laughs> eight pools of three. So yeah, you, so 24 teams. 24 teams. You get one team from each of the three leagues in, so you have no replication of domestic games, yeah. which is a bonus. Good, yeah. well done, nice. And then, and you can, see, you can see the way it's drawn. There'll be a clever way you can do that. But it effectively... Eight pools, one team from each league in it. Top team at the end of two home and away games, which would have to take place over six weekends. So same amount so of time. Yeah. Um, because one team wouldn't play. So you get more rest uh, weeks. Yeah. You get more rest weeks. Yeah. yeah. So there'd be six weeks of game weeks, but you'd only play each you'd team only would play only play four, four games. games in the six weeks. Yeah. So, so you would have... Which is good for... So much for like the welfare. weekend we've just had where you have eight games, it's, it's enough that you can make a big... Feel it feel like a full weekend, but not so many that you end up missing loads. Yeah, yeah. So you get six weekends of eight games, or no teams that you already see them play against. So you get the special bit of the Champions Cup. Top team gets a home round sixteen match. Yep. Second place gets an away round sixteen match. Third place go into challenge. Go to the Challenge Cup, yep. and then when you get to the quarterfinals, it's just an open draw like the FA Cup. Oh Very wow! Nice. So, and semi-final, so, yeah. So no predetermined seeding because so you're straight into it because you have got the top eight teams and just and you've earned the right to be there. Yeah. Would you then have home and away? Sorry for the quarter. If you're having no seeding, would you have home and away? Well, you could you could do a seeding thing. Although I, I don't think home and away works very well for rugby. No, I don't think it works well. I mean, for what rugby. would Racing do with Edinburgh? <laughs> you know, like fifty-six-three. <laughs> yeah, they've put fifty points. Some of the other games could be. Could be nice, but yeah, I, I prefer not. It's just the, um, I think no seeding suits better home and away, whereas seeding, if you have seeding, the the better seeds, higher seeds will um, deserve. They've earned the the home yeah, games. You could do some seeding, but what? Yeah, what I like about it is it's less, but higher quality games, less dead rubbers. Yeah, no replication of domestic matches. Yeah, and until later on in the and, tournament, and none of that best runner up thing. It's it's just. Yeah, top, top team gets a home tie. A w- uh, second place gets an away tie. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that. So I just like I like this round of sixteen. I thought it was yeah, cool, yeah. Was it? it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely have more knockouts. So um, I guess we just, I guess we will start with Leinster Toulon because you were there, or I was there for the non-game. Well, there was that weird feeling. How did you find? How did you find out? Uh... Well, you won't be surprised to hear that the administration of rugby wasn't very forthcoming with information. That's not the game that I know. So, I, I, <laughs> no word of a lie, 
Right, bearing in mind, um, BT Sport is, is the main broadcaster for the UK and Ireland. Mm-hmm. You would think somebody from the governing body of the sport would have some line of communication with your broadcaster as things like this are unfolding. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. I, I was I was literally, before I did a little hit with Brian O'Driscoll, I was scribbling down on one on a bit of paper, and to the point that I could barely read what I'd written because I was crossing stuff out and writing it down, up to about 30 seconds before I was live, I was scribbling down stuff from tweets that were being put out by EPCR, Toulon, Leinster... I had absolutely no idea until everyone else had any staggering. idea. Yeah. That's absolutely staggering. So you didn't know until how long before kickoff? <coughs> uh, well, the, the decision was made at uh, 1.30pm. And who is making these decisions then? Well, so what happened was, uh, on the Monday, all of the players from Toulon and Leinster had their routine COVID tests. Mm-hmm. Yep. All negative. On Wednesday, they have another test one Toulon player, a front rower, not a French international player, so it didn't have a knock-on effect for other French teams, Yeah, um, had a positive test. Um, they contacted EPCR, who said, isolate them at home and travel. Yeah. Fine. So on- the rest of the squad travelled on the Wednesday, Thursday. The rest of the squad and staff travelled on the Thursday. Yeah. On the Thursday night, they had a COVID test in the whole squad. All came back negative. Yeah. And then on the Friday, by 1.30pm, the game had been cancelled. And as I understand it, the Irish government were involved in that decision. Wow. And said to Toulon, it's about the contact tracing, so the people that have had close contact. So in the case of Toulon, it was all the front rowers, all six of the front rowers that they took with them were, were the ones that couldn't play. And as a result, they said that the Irish government's suggestion was you can play the game on Sunday if you replace all six front rowers. Jeez, wow! Just like... So you so you're down to you you in that ruled out seven front rowers. Yeah. You'd have to get six who are at that point in time on Friday over in France to fly to Imagine Dublin. Imagine into I don't know what are they like croissant and uh, and uh, and like frog's legs on Friday night, <laughs> and, you, and like you get a phone call, you're up. What? It's an academy prop. So the the only other thing that's relevant in this discussion is that... Do you remember the Scarlets game in the pool stage between when Toulon went to Scarlets? Yes, when they... That was Toulon who cancelled it, wasn't it? Well, yes. So so in this... So EPCR's rules say that the team with the positive COVID test are the ones that forfeit the game, hence Leinster progressed to the quarterfinals. Back in the pool stages, Toulon go to Scarlets and find out on the day of the game that a player in the squad got a positive test and has isolated but too long we're not satisfied that the, the, the people that have been affected by the contact tracing weren't isolated as well and that some of them were on the field consequently Toulon said it's not safe to play yeah and well, yeah. Scarlet's got awarded the points I guess you can't no 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 just to just be yeah. clear and in that case Scarlet's got awarded the points so all I'm saying is EPCR have followed the rules this time now they've been clarified but Toulon's point is, same thing happened before, and we lost. This time, the opposite happened, and we lost. And we lost. Yeah. yeah. So they, they feel hard done by. I don't, I, I don't blame them. But on the other hand, they don't really blame the Irish government for doing this. I mean, they're not very yeah. far advanced with their with their vaccinations. Guess it is a risk for them because they've just not got, got their act together. It's a PR game as well, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah what are you going to do? You can't, you can't just play it. You can't just play it and then put that message out to the rest of your, rest of your population that's one rule for one and another for another. So... <laughs> 
Yeah, sad. no, I totally, I totally agree with that. And do you know what the sad thing is about this, really? Um, the rugby I was looking forward to so much because Leinster are obviously <coughs> the best that the Pro 14 have to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the only ones left in, I think, from the Pro 14. Yep. Yeah. But Toulon are interesting because just looking through their team, they've completely re- reinvented themselves. They are now full of French international stars. So I think they might have been bigger back in the day on our shores because we knew all the names but you look at like they've got the French captain they've got the backup scrum half they've got all of these lads and Etzebeth and Talfa Fanua yeah. at locks Talfa well. is ace uh, Etzebeth's pretty, pretty good too I've, <laughs> I, I've heard I've heard he's alright yeah <laughs> academy lad right uh, so like they are a serious proposition now I'd love to have seen that game but they're not doing very well in the top 14 I don't think they're a team yet but they're a team on a journey on a journey in, indeed indeed yeah. but I mean maybe they're not very, doing very well in the top 14 because I don't know the top 14 is awesome because there's a few good teams. I there's mean, one or two, isn't there? There's five who've made it through. Obviously, Toulon didn't, but five mm. other French teams have made it through to the uh, the quarterfinals, and they played some nice stuff here and there. Yeah. So, which which games did you watch this weekend, Phil? Most of them. Uh, I watched the Gloucester La Rochelle. I watched Wa- watched Wasps. I watched Munster. I watched Exeter. Uh, I caught. The second half of Racing, but I don't know why I bothered. Uh, I watched Bordeaux, and I only saw bits of Sale Scarlets. Well, luckily, I watched I watched the Sale game with quite some interest. I did. I'm always kind of relaxed about missing the Sale game because I know if I don't cover it in depth, <laughs> you might be able to p- do some of the heavy lifting. Well, I guess the most important game of all these then would be the La Rochelle game. How did La Rochelle go? La Rochelle. Um, th- it was an interesting game. It was a bit cagey. And Gloucester's defence is, is a great commentator's curse. Gloucester's defence was holding well. Hugo Monia kind of praised the Gloucester defence for Dear, holding well. No. And then, literally, as he was praising them, uh, La Rochelle burst through and scored a um, 40 metre try. Um, La Rochelle, they, they've got some power. They've got some firepower in their outside backs. Or their centres, really. Bottier and Raymond Rule are quite they're huge. They're not bad, are they? Fra- France have just got Explosive. a ridiculous number of steppy wingers. Retier uh, yeah, for La Rochelle Retier. is another one, but there's so Look, many of awesome. those teams across the weekend. Yeah, Villiers, who we didn't get to see yeah. for Toulon, is a big one. Obviously, Colby is... Cordan is, for Toulon Cordan. as well. Uh, Labelle, yeah. the, oh, the young uh, Toulouse player. So Stuart Barnes was saying in the Times, uh, I didn't see this game. Uh, so Stuart Barnes said it was a masterclass of halfback play. I don't know if you, if you picked, picked up on that. He said, I think he referred to it as one of the best bits of halfback play that he's that he's seen in, in a long time. Uh, and any specific bit, uh, the passing apparently of Kerbala was meant to be absolutely outrageous. Kerbala and Ihai West are lovely halfbacks, lovely composed halfbacks who get kind of the best but it, I, I was before the game I was expecting La Rochelle to do a number on Gloucester mm. and it was it was closer Gloucester put out put in a, a better performance than I was expecting La Rochelle even though they've got all that firepower they struggled to break them down at times so yeah. I, th- I think um, I think Sale will have a chance going there they'll have a chance they'll but, have more than a chance well they went to La Rochelle a few years ago and couldn't live live with them but yeah, but they, had, they, they didn't have the pack they've got now. But I believe they also played lads like James Williams at 12. Yeah. So they went with a slightly lighter... Hang on, was that the home game or away game? Cause I mean, they, they played them away in the, in the knockouts. Yeah, it was at knockouts. Yeah, maybe... Yeah, so they went with a... Not a weakened squad as such, but maybe not their 
absolute top team for some reason. I don't know why that was, but I, I, I remember that game. Now, I think um, looking at these two teams, I think um, Sale have got more than a chance, although I do love Danny Priestel. I think he's just like a, a superhero. Danny Priestel's wicked. Lavani Bottia. I, I mean, Lavani Bottia is the argument. I've never been totally convinced by it, but he is the argument to give Sam Simmons a try in, in, in the centre. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. The, um, the, the bench of La Rochelle impressed me. Um, what's his name? Uh, the, 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 the guy who plays 10 10 for France. Uh, Please on. Jules Please on was on Jules the bench. Plisson, uh, uh, Gregory the, Aldry was on the bench. You, you don't describe. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You, you don't do that. You don't describe Jules Please on as the guy who plays 10 for France. You describe him as the guy that Courtney Laws folded in half. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And and, and Damaru. That's one on that. Dumaru. Who's absolutely class. And you can bring off, uh, bring on Uini Antonio. Um, to shore up the scrum as well. Mm. Yeah, that will be a tasty encounter. And Ronan O'Gara has come out of the weekend with a lot of credit. Just yeah, so David Flatman tweeted, if I had unlimited money, I would want to buy a team to put Ronan O'Gara in charge. Yeah. Is, is that a justified comment? Well, they're second in the top 14. Mm-hmm. They're, they're doing very well. They're, and I think it was mainly the reason he was saying that and why a lot of people are giving him a lot of credit is he just spoke so brilliantly, as he always does. As he always does, but he just spoke so brilliantly after the game. He's got a very clear philosophy of how he wants to play, and he can communicate that, and he's willingly communicating it on TV, which suggests to me that he's then, he's also implementing that with his team with pure clarity. I think La Rochelle have played Sale a couple of times. Yeah, I'm just have. going back back to back. In the, you know, I've seen I've seen Ronan Agora co- coach his team um, because I sat right, right right next to him at the AJ Bell. Uh, him, John Gibbs, and there was another guy there, and they were losing their mind, absolutely losing it. So it's interesting that um, he came across so well because I actually thought yeah. when he was when they came over to the AJ Bell, I wasn't that impressed with how they carried themselves. Not that you can tell much about that, but they were certainly very, very animated about what was going on for eighty, for 80 minutes. Ronan O'Gara, I can't remember what acronym he used, but he just he just used. Three letters Rock. and it stood for like <laughs> ROG. ROG. Uh, K- no, ROG. K- I'll tell you what it was KBA. He went KBA, keep ball alive. Ah. Keep ball alive. <laughs> the, I mean, sometimes simple isn't easy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But they, they look good. Yeah, they oh. do look good. But credit to Gloucester because. Uh, it does sound a bit patronising because they lost at home, but pat them on the head. Well, good try. There's, there's, Gloucester- your, there's your medal for effort. This, this La Rochelle team is yeah. significantly better than the Gloucester team on paper, and Gloucester made it very tough for them. And, and young George Barton, um, who is just a kid, and I mean, at the start of the season, he would have been, I don't know, third or fourth choice. Yeah, um, he, he played well. He, he's got a bright future. Trial by fire. Yeah, and it, but this is this is trial by fire. But he's got the best team around him. Yeah, he's got Chris Harrison, um, Atkinson in the centres. He's got Willie Hines feeding him balls inside him. He's got Johnny May on one wing. Um, he's got the people around him to protect him and give him the opportunity to to learn. Whereas when he kind of first got blooded into Europe earlier in the season, they got beat by I can't remember who it was. Was it Bordeaux? Put fifty points yeah. on them. But then he, he came off kids. the bench and scored the winning try against your beloved Ulster. Yes, he did, he did that as well. Yeah, so I've got multiple thoughts on this team. Um, originally, I was going to say, I don't know if I would have done this because I want to concentrate on the league. But we don't need to anymore, do yeah, we? So I would have done this. There is no point concentrating. Unless you can get top four like Quinns did. Yeah. 
Um, there's no point in concentrating on the league. No. So unlucky because that is basically Gloucester's last competitive game now. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Done. Enjoy <laughs> your season. <laughs> God, that's depressing. Thought. <laughs> yeah, all over. So yeah, they may as well play the Pro 14. Um, wasps. Wasps. I felt sorry for wasps. They've got something about. I do like wasps. I just like the way that they play. Their, 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 their pluckiness. Their, the fact that their players seem to carry on performing no matter what. And to lose like they did was hor- horrendous. Yeah. What? To, to lose that late into the game um, when you've been leading the whole game um, and deservedly so it wasn't it wasn't fluke that Wasps were leading they played really well and they they matched Claremont almost right across the park lovely yeah. feat by Bassett that was I, I don't awesome know. It, it's like it's like he's, he's defying physics yeah that was absolutely awesome um, and this this Claremont team is no joke this Claremont team is class right through Right through the team, even like if you talk about um, good halfback play, you got Bezzi and Camille Lopez, and then you bring on Morgan Parra to just kind of settle things down and control things with the experienced head. Um, and you, they can bring guys like Rabba Slimani and Perselli Yato off the bench. Yeah, that's ridiculous, isn't it? That is crazy. But the the um, I thought the best player was George Moala for. Um, for Claremont, who was just such a handful going forward, mm. and there's there's other guys who are absolute nightmares, like Raka, like Pano, like Matsushima, who was awesome as well. Um, but Moala was just so hard to stop. Yeah, I, I wonder how this result affects Wasps going forward because they're they're on a bit of a bad run of form at the moment. They had the Newcastle win. Other than that, there's very few bright <laughs> spots, and I think. A win against Claremont would have been exactly what they yeah. needed to launch back into the league. All, all, yeah, all, yes, it would, but equally it would have meant they have to really go for it in a quarterfinal next week. In a funny way, in terms of saving their season, I don't, I don't think Wasps had four straight performances in them to win, a, to win that trophy. No, they, no, they're, they're not going to win that trophy. So, so, so maybe, if you're looking at silver linings, maybe playing that well against such a good team and then having a week off before your next Premiership game might actually build a platform that they can then use. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I can buy into that because yeah. they, they were the better team for, for long periods in this game. Uh, and it's only the last second when Matsushima scores, and with the pressure on Camille Lopez slots that um, conversion, that it actually mattered, uh, or the, the game fell away from them. How did you enjoy the performance of Wesley Fofana? I, I didn't watch him closely, but I, I know your undying, undying love for the man. I do like Fofana. It was it was more about Moala and Peno and Matsushima. Fofana is he's an amazing player but he's in the kind of twilight of his career. Um he can still do a job but he w- doesn't have the he doesn't have that explosivity that he once had. Mm, Moala's a beast. Mo- Moala was is so hard to stop. And Pano, I mean Pano, yeah. Pano for the I think it was the first try the Bezzi try. Was that the one where they went like basically the whole length of the pitch? Yeah, it went from a, from their own 22 basically. And Pano um, basically gets uh it's, it's a flatline defence. He's up against uh, a dogger, and he just kind of stands him up and goes around the outside of him like a dogger wasn't there. He's an incredible specimen, Pinot. As in, 
No, sorry, that's not right. He doesn't have an incredible build. Far from it. He looks basically like an accountant. Like he's so he's so slender, and yet he does so many good things. He looks almost like a four hundred meter runner type build. He's obviously, he's obviously bigger than that. Yeah, he glides around, but he, he just makes people miss. And he's very very strong as well. That I mean, if if you wanted to maybe ask a question as to why uh, doggers didn't get an England cap even when England 13s were dropping like flies basically in that that try um, Doggers came into the line he had a man outside him so he was effectively defending in the 13 channel and Pano just stood him up and went around the outside of him you're not allowed to say anything bad about a doggo that's the rules of rugby uh, rugby Twitter and stuff at the minute is that right you, you, you better not find out if, if anyone finds out you've just said anything <laughs> any suggestion why a doggo shouldn't have 20 England caps by now you're uh, going to get roasted I was not aware of that rule a, yeah. a dog will be playing for Italy later yeah. this year. Yeah. I am fairly confident. I that. hope he does. I, I hope he has a very long and very successful. So I, do I, I. Love, I love a dog. His att- attacking ability is amazing, um, and he's such a unique player. Yeah. But watch watch that try again. He was uh, the the class of Pano shone through. Just when just when you were talking about Claremont a minute ago, it reminded me of something that I've forgotten to bring up on the podcast. But um, I'm, it's going back to nearly the start of March. But. Uh, Sometimes Phil, when you get, <laughs> sometimes Phil, when you get oh. when you get very excited about oh. certain plays and certain players, you well in this case the review of this was I really enjoyed this bit of broadcasting from Hill from Phil. You can hear the lump in his throat slash tremble in his knees. Wonderful stuff. Oh, he's a ludicrous specimen. He is. Oh, massive and explosive. He's so huge, muscular. I know. Exa- uh, Tui is over. Tui is so... Oh, what a man, Tui is over. Tui is who they didn't play, ridiculously. Where is Tui? Is he... Came uh, off the bench, didn't he? Oh, no, 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 no. He, he didn't start. Whether well, he came off the bench or not, I don't know, but he I definitely didn't start. Where is Tui Silva? He's at Leon. Ah, okay, yeah. So um, the, I, there was some speculation that it would take Tuas over to start this game in order to win it. <laughs> uh, they, it turns out that analysis may well have been may well have been right. Uh, you, you could have had fifteen Tuas overs. You need fifteen Tuas overs to have won this game. Um, I, I mean, there's not really much to say about this other than yes, Leon went up quite early, but then they just got absolutely obliterated by Baxter. And I did think Exeter were going to struggle for form. That was my prediction. Oh, and you, you, you were absolutely right. They did. I think Rob Baxter's own assessment on sixty minutes was by the time Exeter, by this point, had, had won the game and were extending their lead, or were just t- starting to move away. And Rob Baxter said we played like a team wasn't quite in form and hadn't integrated all our guys back in. And he was the only worry he had, much as you're talking about, is that they didn't have the game in the tank in the bank. Sorry. Um, and Matt Robax was worried about that, but he said, fortunately, we've got it together within the 80 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, here's an interesting thing, actually, about this format of the European competition and what it makes teams do. So I've been speaking quite a lot recently about the Premiership and how you need your squad to win the Premiership, not just your first, your first team. Well, every team that has played in European competition this week, with the exception of maybe one or two, have all put out absolutely strongest teams including Exeter they can't afford not to they can't afford the risk of losing this game yeah yeah so it makes everyone come out the woodwork so yeah Exeter had to put out their best team because if they you know you get one chance and that's it gone yeah so it's very difficult for them to reintegrate lads in 
the order they would like to. I suspect they would have liked to have integrated them all, but much slower than this. Yeah. Or but, had a game or two before they get into this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And they, they could have done last week, but they chose to yeah. um, to basically rest their entire first team and play, well, play a second team against Gloucester, which cost them the, the game, albeit they've earned the right to do that in the league. But this was their strongest team. Yeah. I think if, if uh, subject to maybe a couple of um, injuries, but e- even then, I'm, I, I think this is it. This is the, and they the strongest scored, team they could possibly 53 have. 53 points? 47. 47. 47. 47. But like, like 47 but, points against Leon is, I mean, yeah. when we're talking about them, oh, they weren't quite at their best and... Uh, and they've got they've got room for improvement. That, that, I mean that that should fill Exeter fans with a lot of confidence going into a game against Leinster. Yeah, yeah. It feels and like they kicked into gear pretty rapidly after they the went wake down up. A few. Well, it's fourteen points down after ten minutes. Yeah, like it, it would have been a hundred points had uh, Leon kept scoring at that rate. <laughs> um, and, but and, the, the yeah. way that the way that Exeter did it as well, they did they did the Exeter stuff, the John, two Johnny Hill tries and, and other. Um, crash over tries when they build the pressure but they also did it out with the backs as well and they kind of proved the rule their own rule that yes you can stop us if we're going to be putting the pressure on through a driving mall or the pick and go but that will create the opportunity for the likes of O'Flaherty and, and Woodburn who Woodburn has not been playing his best for the last um, I think six when he had bad injury last season yeah. he's taken some time to get back to form he was awesome Woodburn was absolutely so good as well, isn't he? He's so good under the high ball, so good defensively. He's such a good runner. He's um, breaking them past for the O'Flaherty try. He was just superb. A few weeks ago, we did um, people in rugby that let Tapburn go. Tapburn? Tapburn. Tapburn. Who's the other one that that we did? Uh, A dog woo. A dog woo. Thacker. um, Harry Thacker. Lewington. Uh, We did loads. I can't think of. uh, Well. (laughs) <laughs> maybe one of the most obscene ones was a dual release of both Ollie Devoto and Ollie Woodburn. And instead of going, like, usually when you get released, it's for a lesser team, so a team that people perceive as or below. It's, or it's because someone's willing to pay the money you can't afford, like Cam Redpath got, you know, w- will have got a lot more, much more money from Bath than he would have got a sale. But, but he still, still has to go down. Exeter, <laughs> Exeter, <laughs> well, yeah. Exeter would have got Ollie Woodburn at a very good price because Bath it wasn't that he moved to Exeter Bath didn't want him and Ollie Devoto at the same time yeah. Ollie yeah. Woodburn the, the year he moved I think he got either most improved player or player's player yeah it's ridiculous absolutely yeah. ridiculous yeah we'll have him we'll have him and uh, on their way looks to me as if they're on the way to at least a, a, sec- a second final I would say well they're playing Leinster that, oh yeah, yeah maybe they're not. at home to Leinster now well, that will be an yeah, interesting yeah, game yeah. Mm. well Le- maybe second premiership final there you go well, the, yeah. the, the, the thing that would give me a lot of confidence were I an Exeter fan is that they they let their power game work so well against Leon, who are massive they are big boys yeah they big boys they, they, they absolutely pummeled them in the scrum like Chucky was walking backward he was on ice skates towards the end of the game <laughs> she's uh, yeah and I think it's that thing X to bring on a whole new front row Ben Moon and Thomas Francis come on and just yeah. and Jack Yendall well, yeah, and Jack Yendall awesome. I've spoken about this before we've got this and I want to talk about it again but I think we're going to see a change in the way that rugby is played in the back row I am certain of it so if you think about the traditional 6-7-8 Throw it out the window now, it's gone. The tri- and, and that would be seven, the link up man. 
Yeah, yeah. No, smaller. Fetcher, Jackler. Jackler. Six massive defensive player, huge man. Number, with eight. number eight ball carrier skills. Yeah, exactly. So that would be your thing, right? Uh, and, you the, know, best, maybe... the best, the archetypal would be the England 2003. Yes, think about that. Back, Backhill, Delalio. 100%. Well, I think now Exeter is the way forward, which is these just mutant sixes and sevens. Because Vermaelen and Ewers are enormous. Christ. I mean, like, think about it from a sale point of view, for instance. Not that, you know, that's the almost awesome place to go. <laughs> but, you know, sale put a Dupree on either side of that flank, and your pushing power in the scrum has just gone up. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that Tom Curry is weak, but Tom Curry <laughs> has also played eight for England. Yep. So you put your fetcher to eight now, uh, generally speaking, during your scrums, or indeed, defen- or d- indeed defensive scrums, and then you've got these enormous units either side of your second rows pushing the props forward. You don't need Weenie Antonio because you've got an, an extra 16, 17, 18, 19 stone man linked on to, linked onto your prop. I am certain that that is the way forward. With a bigger, much bigger, heavier um, mm. six and seven. Yeah. And then your fast guy so as either, your eight. Either have your explosive fast guy or your fetcher, or in this case, Sam Simmons, he does a bit he, of both. He does both. I mean, yeah. Ben Earl. Ben, ben Earl's another is one. Ideal for that. So that's where I that's where I'd work my back uh, back wheel. Exeter got that from Talk H. <laughs> what position are you? Uh, are you are you flank at the moment? I was tired prop. I don't know what I'm going to be when I return. Second row, hopefully. What, what, are you, what do you weigh at the moment? Ninety seven today. Going, uh, okay. So you are. Yeah, you're bulking again mm. for the rugby yeah, you season. Are bulking. No, I'm, I'm I'm less than you now. I'm getting fat. I'm 94 <laughs> kgs now. Yeah, I, I'm desperately trying to get on to 90. And I'm going up. <laughs> um, can I just say, just a, a brief interlude to say, one thing that never ceases to amaze me is how lucky we are with the audience we have at Egg Chasers. The, the talent, the the calibre oh. Of, oh, yes. of people that listen, that are willing to offer their experience in, in, their thoughts their expertise in, in other areas of, of, of the world as well. oh my god yeah because we, we're talking like you know we, we, there's literally like brain surgeons nuclear science well, nuclear physicists can i tell you one which which happened to me i might have been this week but it could have been last week so if it's, if it's not last week i, um, I apologize um idiots phil uh, uh, over there might be me um described the ever given as when we take the take the containers off the Ever Given, it increases its buoyancy, and hence we can float it off down. Incorrect. Yeah. Incorrect. <laughs> that, sorry. That, I think that may have been your point. No, I don't know. Maybe 50-50. <laughs> so taking but, the containers maybe, off of the Ever Given would, would not enable it to be moved? No. That's, no, it would sit higher in the waterline, but it would decrease its buoyancy. Its buoyancy is... Although I don't believe uh, he's a naval, naval um, architect. Wait, is, is it like <laughs> Newton's? No, no, so the more weight it has on it, the further down the water line it goes, the more water it displaces, hence the, the more buoyant it is. Okay. Okay. I think. Okay. But anyway, the point is, he knows about these things and I yeah. don't. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Anyway, so there are lots of people that have, uh, have things like that. But equally, we, we just get messages. Someone's clearly uh, watching the YouTube video. James Dunn has sent us a little DM on Twitter saying... If the if the Wi-Fi in the rugby dungeon is the issue, I'd recommend power line adapters which use your wiring to pass an Ethernet signal. If the basement is on the same circuit as wherever his router is, and he's sent you a little Amazon link... Oh, thank um, you. Uh, ...something like this is a simple and cheap solution. So, there we go. <laughs> it's not on the same circuit, I'm afraid. Oh. Uh, different circuit. So you yeah. can then but use... But we do have a Wi-Fi en- engineer 
on the case. Okay, yeah. fine. We need right. to look at mesh Wi-Fi. Is okay. one of the other solutions. Yeah. So just if you are watching the YouTube video or you go back and watch it and go, oh, well, the audio cuts out a few times, just know we are just the three of us making it up as we go along. <laughs> Hopefully that's part of the charm of this podcast. And um, we, we appreciate your, your patience with it. We're on the case. With your help, we're on the case. Uh, Exeter, I was very, very impressed. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. This, uh, this was a classic Exeter performance. Yeah. I, I, there's something I really love about that five-metre game, and a lot of people malign it, but the work they do to get in those positions is outstanding. Yeah. People who malign it just don't understand rugby. They're, they're, they're the same crew that bemoan kicking. Like, yeah, yeah. There is such a thing as pointless kicking, but very rarely do pro teams go. They just hoof it up in a panic. Like there, there, there is a, there is a plan. The kick, the kick chase, the five meter pick and drive. These are all integral parts of the game. And if you don't understand them and you don't appreciate them, you basically don't really appreciate rugby. But the rugby that eggs to play to get to those positions is always awesome. Yeah. Well, it's like they don't pick and go from 60, 60 <laughs> meters out, do they? They, they play it. some great rugby. Although I'm sure I've seen them try it from like the twenty-two pick and go. Yeah, they'll pick and go, and they'll get a bit of luck, and they'll do it again, and they'll do it again. And before you know, it, in the five meters, oh, we'll go and pick our go, <laughs> pick and go again. Then eighty-four phases in. Yeah, it is. I think generally, as a player, it is one of the most enjoyable things to score one of those tries. Yeah, Barnum, that and pushover try are the two most enjoyable ways to, to score a try more so than a more more so than an 80 metre interception doesn't do anything for me Yeah, I mean, it's alright, it happens it, interceptions less so a beautiful back to me. Like Simmons, I think it was against Harlequin. Sam Simmons scored from about forty meters. Oh yeah, first where, game of the season. Did he go around Nathan Earl? I think did he? He just carved through just, the middle and gassed, yeah. gassed everyone. Yeah, line out move, burst through the middle, and then step and gas. That is awesome. That yeah. kind of try. Yeah, it's not pick and go, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I take your <laughs> point. It, it, is, it is nice. You have to ask Sam Simmons because I mean he scored a few pick and goes and he scored those forty meter wonder tries. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll hand this over to Tim now because you were at the Munster Toulouse game. Do you know I felt so lucky to to be there I bet at, you did. at that game. It, it was I, I. Okay, so I felt really, really lucky to be there. I could not stop thinking the whole time I was there I'm so gutted there's not fans here yeah I, I, well I bet Munster were gutted there oh, weren't fans oh, there if, if there were fans there Munster sneak that game they win that game yeah, yeah. no doubt the, yeah. do no the Munster doubt. fans increase the Munster score or decrease the Toulouse score it, Ooh, good question <laughs> that is a good question I don't think Munster could have increased their score much they took every single chance they had pretty much yeah um, they played they played really bravely they just man, man for man weren't quite good enough but they played really really well particularly after a really dodgy performance in the Pro 14 final Munster Stram is a sort of team who are incredibly competent and they maximise their talent it's yeah. not like you mm. watch Munster and go yeah not really they're not they're not Bath if, 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 if that makes sense, <laughs> so they don't have the t- high-end talent that Bath yeah. have. Yeah, but they get they get they more great talent. They, they've got they've got great talent, but they get a lot out of it. Yeah, I, I didn't watch the Pro 14 final live. I did watch it in preparation for mm-hmm. the game at the weekend, and against Leinster, Munster just played inside themselves. And I, I asked Johan van Graan before the game, like you know, um, this is you're playing to lose. You know the threat they pose and the, the danger. Do you feel you're going to have to open up a bit? And he sort of played that a bit cagey, you know, when it's on, when it's on. But they definitely did open up more, and I think that's the way for Munster to go. They've got to, they've got to have a crack and roll the dice because yeah. 
They're good. When they play like that, they're really and good. I like how aggressive that they can be. They can really take it to people with Delande. D- D- I think Farrell is an ace too. I'd love, a surprise, surprise, I love big physical centres. I mean, that, that is as big and yeah. physical as any centre combination no, in the world. Really. Yeah, they're huge. Yeah. They are. And G- Gavin Coombs is a boy. Yeah. He it, is good. Because those, those two crash over tries against that Toulouse pack, that is no joke doing that. Mm. So they really took it to him, and uh, I felt I felt incredibly sorry for them uh, uh, losing in the way they did. That said, I mean, two French teams we see go away and sneak wins, three, uh, which which is quite unfrench. Well, no, it, wasn't, it wasn't a sneak sneaking. Quite unfrench. Uh, the two we saw La Rochelle. Oh, so the Clermont, 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 Clermont. Oh yeah, Clermont. Clermont, Clermont yeah, yeah, Clermont to lose sneak. Uh, is there anything of any note to say about? Rassing, spanking Edinburgh. Well, hold on. I'm, I'm just oh, sorry, just, sorry. Yeah, sorry, no, I was going to say Toulouse. Um, so all the talk in the build-up, and uh, you know, under, quite understandably, I'm not not suggesting it shouldn't have been. Is Dupont, Untermac, yeah, uh, and guys Col- like that. Colby, Colby, obviously, but Mattis Labelle. Yeah, he they've, looks. They've got another class. star there. He is awesome. Top top try scorer in the top fourteen. Yep, and his footwork is ridiculous. Yeah, and he's. I assume he's come up with uh, Entermat because he's mm. about the same age. He's like 22, 23, something like that. Uh, he looks brilliant. It's the first mm. time I've really seen him. Yeah. Um, and he, he's just so dangerous and reads the game so well as well. I mean, that this Toulouse team is... It's going to take some stopping to beat this Toulouse team. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've got an interesting game coming up next. Yeah. Um, but um, I will just say, I'm hoping that it will get put up on some channel or other somewhere to watch. But after the game, we we only had a very short period of time, so I got a quick interview in with Johan van Graan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I did have a chat to CJ Stander, which didn't go out on a programme, and it hasn't been put up on Twitter or anything since. But I really hope people get to see it, because um, I, I kind of... get royalties. No, I won't get <laughs> oh, royalties. Sorry, sorry. I, just, I, just, I want people to see CJ Stander, the man... Was the way he spoke was was amazing, and um, it's everything I love about rugby. He just spoke so honestly because I, I I pretty much said to him, right? How do you feel? You've just the Heineken Cup is is you know what Munster's about, and you've just played your last game for Munster mm. in that competition. How do you feel? And he he had to take a, he had to take a few seconds because you could see him. I I won't don't mind admitting I felt like. Emotional. I felt really emotional listening yeah. to him chat. Well, there's been some rather unkind things said about CJ Stander. Um, he says he's retiring to go back to South Africa, be with his family, yada, yada, yada. And I think people in Ireland who are not Munster fans, a very small minority, have said, well, he's been disingenuous, he's gone to sign for a South African team. <coughs> Which I answer, like, so what if he has? Yeah, so what? Has he not earned the right to go and play yeah. in South Africa? His wife lives in South Africa. Does she really? She's in South Africa. I don't know whether that's like recent. I'm assuming he hasn't spent the whole seven years on his own in uh, in Limerick, but and she's Irish. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly for a period of time, his his wife has been. Well, what do you expect? Back in South Africa, yeah. this is a, as he's he's made he has he's been completely transparent. It's a family decision, and I totally believe yeah. him on that because he's given up. I hope he doesn't retire. I ho- I do hope we continue yeah. to see him play because he's he's thirty turning thirty one. Yeah. yeah, so he's got a few good years left in him. Um, did you see? I assume you did the post that he put up on as his retiring statement. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you read it, Jay. I think I, I think I did actually. Because it was it was really well written. It was a really it, emotional um, post, and he explained 
both obviously the good sides and the the difficulties in doing what he's done and the emotion and the number of people who've helped him on the journey and how much he's loved it is a really really nice touch it came across um he came across really well in it, so I'd like to. I'd really like to see that interview. Yeah, I, I like his story. I love the fact that he. Um, you know, someone bothered saying to him, "Yeah, you're not going to make it at eight. Well, okay, I'll go and be in International Eight somewhere else. Then. Cheers. <laughs> well, see, well, see you around. Well, he never came across thinking he'd be in International Eight for Ireland. He, he. Um, well, did he come? He didn't come over as a hooker. No, no, no. But he didn't come over. I don't think he came over with Ireland thinking he'll be a number eight. It was just a. Uh, he'll be a number eight for the for, for the country. He just. Oh yeah. Um, initially, initially, I don't think he was. I don't know. He, he must have backed. I think he probably backed himself probably backed to be himself. able to. But it wasn't a. It wasn't he a, knew it clearly. Yeah, he yeah. knew it wasn't not guaranteed. He yeah. knew you'd have to work at it because it, by international eight standards, he's not the biggest. Well, he could play in, play in, play in my formation. <laughs> he would be the two, the explosive two, fast one. Yeah, two Dupree's either side. It does sound like a situation where everyone is right, where he's not big enough to play South African back row, but it doesn't really matter. And, yeah. and do you remember how lovely he was at the World Rugby Awards in Monaco? Yes, I do. He came and chatted to us, and he could not have been a nicer bloke. No, he's a very, very nice guy. Yeah, really special bloke. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. And um, uh, Clement Poitrino, good-looking fella... And he looks as young as he ever has. Oh, really? He does not age, that guy. <laughs> so, yeah. You're up he, to date. He's always been a handsome guy. Prochino um, played. You know, he's, a, a back, he's the backs coach. <laughs> I was going to say. Madar did play. Madar played. played, yeah. Who probably played with Poitrino for a bit, actually, a, yeah. a good few years. I was going to say, like... He, he played well, Madar. I, I remember Poitrino dropping the ball for Rob Howley. Like, Go on. <laughs> Surely be. <laughs> yeah. No. Um... um Honourable note to um, Kilcoyne, who in this game, he scrummaged very well, he did the, all the hard stuff, and then he found himself, I think it was um, Entermac and Lebel broke down the left wing, oh, and yeah. he had, he had I think it was Jean Clean inside him, Jean Clean. Colby tried to do him. And it was, it was I think it was Entermac, Entermac had his winger, I think it was Lebel outside him, oh, yeah. and... Um, Kilcoyne only had uh, O'Donoghue, his number seven, outside him. He's effectively and defending there, in the 13 channel. And there was channel. a big gap between them as well, wasn't there? Well, he was, yeah, there was a big gap between oh, him and his... Like his, like, his worst nightmare. Well, Kilcoyne was in the position that a Dogwoo found himself against Pernod. Yeah. Kilcoyne makes the tackle on Untermach. A dog who missed the tackle on Pano. So you're saying Dave Hillcoin should pay 13, 13 for it. <laughs> well, maybe 13 for Italy, I'm ah, saying. Italy, yeah. <laughs> it was really, the really impressive. He didn't want. The one situation he trains not to be in yeah, every, exactly. every day. I work so hard never to have to do this. Uh, well, sorry, Munster, you're gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just just on Munster, one thing I found out chatting to Donna Crow Callahan, which sounds like a name drop. That's not what I meant. Well, exactly anyway, what meant. it is just this lad Thomas Ahern for Munster. They're talking that, that he could be like generational type mm. talent. What's he? Play? Paul O'Connell, uh, the heir to the throne of Paul O'Connell. He's he's a lock. Is he? Was he in the squad? No. Which is, but this is part of the reason why uh, Munster have signed um, G- uh, not James Joseph. No, no. Jonathan Joseph. No, Jamie Joseph. Jordan they've, Joseph. They've signed. No, no, no. They've signed a South African back five of the scrum player, and they're and they're sort of going. Don't bring in another Saffer. Get this Thomas. Yeah. Ahern. So anyway, it's just a net, one of those names because I know you. I know yeah, you love yeah, your yeah. Net, names to watch. Thomas. Ahern. Yeah. Thomas. Ahern. Well, I mean, if he is generational, 
which would be great, and they can play him next to J- James Ryan. Yeah. Well, he and James Ryan were in the under twenties team together. Together. Yeah, which is which is why Munster are feeling a bit frustrated because they're like, hold on, they were both dominating uh, under twenty. How old is James Ryan? Twenty three now. And or till twenty two, twenty two. Yeah. So anyway, so Munster are frustrated. He hasn't he hasn't been given the shot. So anyway, just a name to watch. Um, yeah, the last there you go. That's Munster to lose. Um, should we touch on Rassing? Yeah, happened, didn't it? It happened. They, happened. No, they look. If it's possible, they look even better than they have done before. Uh, it wasn't. <laughs> and, and Maxime Machino looks just as devilishly handsome as he always does. Machino looks incredible. Same Teddy Thomas went looks horribly incredible. wrong here. Didn't, didn't, well, didn't it? what I'm disappointed with Ed- Edinburgh is just how much they capitulated in the last 20 minutes. Like, they conceded one, two, three, four, five. God, was that many? Five tries in the last 20 minutes. I, I think if I was Edinburgh, an Edinburgh fan, I'd be relatively furious about this because they didn't go with nobodies. They're not a bad... T- like, the thing about the Pro 14 is I get it. The Pro 14's rubbish. And I get it that you don't see all the players because the squads aren't on, on that deep so on and so forth. But when they go to Europe, it's their t- chance to shine. And you've seen squads across the competition and the competition below... Sorry, not squads, teams which are absolutely awesome. On paper, that Edinburgh team should be the equal of pretty much anyone. Anyone in the Premiership, anyone in France. And I say equal, yeah, you can lose a game. Competitive, though. Yeah, competitive. Competitive, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, look, look at the back row. Watson, um, but what's in the boy? Richie, Matt. Richie Matter, Villarme Matter. Yeah. Who is... They should be taking it to people. So very disappointing. Whether Cockers has got his strategy wrong there or some, something catastrophic has failed. So, so I didn't watch the first half of this game. I only switched on at half time. But did, um, did you manage to catch their three points? <laughs> I missed their three points. Oh. Um, Blackinghorn played ten, and yeah. Jacko Vandervelt was on the bench. Yeah. Which I don't know. I don't know the reason for that. It looks, in retrospect, it looks like a very odd call to to do that, particularly when Damien Hoyland. Like he's a 15, he's a capable fifth, well, he's a capable outside back, but he's not as good as Blair Kinghorn, and Blair Kinghorn's not as good as yeah. Jacko at 10, so it seemed odd. But they, I, I might be missing something as to, there might be a reason why. Jamie Ritchie, Hamish Watson, Bill Matter, come on. Yeah, come I mean, on, that, is, that is a class. And and the their front row, their front row is good. Yeah. Uh, D- Dave Cherry, we now know, is a decent player, scoring tries for fun in the Six Nations. Um, Marcus Bradbury is a back row, though, right? Yeah. yeah so I assume there's there's some injury or misses I mean, some players there. Yeah. I mean, just reading the names, looking at what they've done in Six Nations, some of these boys, and what they've done throughout their career, fifty six three isn't good enough. Did you see? Uh, so this is another thing on um, Duan van der Merwe. I've not got an issue with Duan van der Merwe, but his defence isn't good enough for me. I don't know if either of you saw. Um, Jordan Joseph hand him off at so number eight. He's in a still of it, I think. Yeah, Duan van der Merwe is he's pretty much for all intents and purposes he's as big as um, Jordan Joseph mm. and Jordan Joseph, who is a kid. He's twenty years old. Just put him on the deck in in his own backyard in Duan's own backyard. He's not enormous. In fact, he's smaller. I would say. Who John Joseph? Yeah, like he's, he's, he's more explosive. I mean, I'd I'd be surprised if he's over six, six two. I don't know. He's not. He's probably a bit heavier. 
Yeah, but he's, he's for all intents and purposes, they are similar weights. It's not like it's not like Jordan Joseph was against Darcy Graham. Well, mm. it's not like Martin Bayfield presenting stood next to Danny Kerr. <laughs> no, it's not like that. It's not like that. <laughs> Which was a hilarious way to finish the weekend's rugby. Um, yeah, yeah. Rassing formidable. Rassing very good, but we we didn't really learn how good they are. I don't think mm. they've got to go. Uh, they've got. They, do they host to no, lose? No, 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 it's, it's uh, Toulouse it? go to Claremont, uh, uh, Lens yeah, to go to Exeter, Racing travel to Bordeaux. Racing go to Bordeaux. So that that'll be a good game. That's yeah. winnable for Racing, but winnable for Bordeaux. Yeah, yeah, Bordeaux beasts. For, for, it does look like a French team's winning this. Uh, I mean, not just because there's five of them in the quarterfinals, sure. but it's... there's some Northern Grits and some South African Steel that would have some, 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 <laughs> so some se- Zimbabwe the semi-final, steel in the extra. The semi-final is going to be done by via a draw. So okay, um, you'd like to see an all French semi-final and then uh, the other one. I don't want to see. Yeah. Oh no, there's no way. Hold on. Leinster v Exeter. What's the other one? Oh, Sale. Yeah, I'd like Sale and Exeter or Le- uh, Sale and Exeter to go through, and then have them against each other. And then two uh, of the two of the French teams. So you guarantee an English final. Yeah. 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 Isn't that, that's an interesting. Obviously, if you're a Leinster fan, you want Leinster, but fair. yeah, yeah. Well, they've had enough success. They've had. They've got <laughs> enough stars on that jersey already. No, do you know what the final I would genuinely love to see would be a shootout for the fifth star to lose v Leinster. Ooh, would be very cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but one bit of news is the final will not be at Marseille. Yeah, I saw which, that. I mean, it's lucky for everyone. Thank God. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And again, if you do, I don't know what the deal is with 2023 tickets now, but if you do ever get any, and there's any games at Marseille, whatever the match, even if it was the All Blacks v South Africa, or just, it's not worth it. Not in Marseille. As, lo- as long as you, if you can fly in, fly out on a helicopter <laughs> and just get away from there as fast as you yeah, possibly I, can. I would do Marseille on a helicopter. Yeah, yeah, and go, and go to like, Monaco or Cannes or yeah. No, I'd, 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 I'd have a, I'd go f- to a bar in Aix-en-Provence, oh, yeah. half an hour down the road. Beautiful, said, beautiful, beautiful yeah, little town. I think, I think beautiful little town away from all the rats in Marseille. <laughs> Literal rats. Literally rats. <laughs> Yeah, that's not dehumanising humans. That's no, just no, no. A, that were the, they were rats. Actual, the biggest rats I've ever seen. Chased by rats. <laughs> you know, I've only ever seen rats in Manchester once. I've seen rats in Paris, which were quite frightening. I was walking along the Seine. In fact, I walked along the Seine, and I didn't realise it's not something, something that you do, from what I can tell. Walked through a homeless encampment, which was pretty terrifying, but you carry on going. And literally, about ten minutes later... The police were fishing a body. Oh, out God. Of the river. oh my God. And then there was the rats, and I thought, I'm going to walk back on the road. <laughs> it sounds like San Francisco now, which I mean, San Francisco I had an awesome time. It's a really fun city, and the, the I can't remember the name of that street, but uh, Hate, Hate Ashbury, and the, the, there's some really cool parts of mm. town. But down on the seafront, it's. Um, is it, is it not nice? It's not what you imagine it's going to be. It's, it's, it can be pretty dark. I, I'd love to see the seafront on, uh, well, in LA. Oh Venice, that's just well. Yeah, you get a lot. Of, you get massive numbers of uh, homeless people. Do you? Uh, unfortunately, yeah, really, like sh- absolutely shed loads. California is is, is is in a really bad way in that sense. But, yeah. uh, but maybe I'll skip it. But you get but you get Muscle Beach. And, that's what, that's oh, what I see. That's now what I you're talking. Yeah, and you just get loads <laughs> get loads of posers or people that are doing perfect TikTok and YouTube videos that are just doing amazing things. Just watching them is wicked. I, I've heard that the strip there is an absolute hellhole, which is, I want to do even more. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even more. It is fun. Uh, and then we go see the LA Giltinis 
Yes. Oh right. yes, they so play in, in the Coliseum. Yeah, that stadium is so class. Do you know the story about the Giltinis? So it's uh, it's Adam Gilchrist, not the cricketer. No, no. Uh, oh right. Uh, is, it, is, is that serious? Yeah. Is, is that the guy's name? So yeah, Adam Gilchrist, who American businessman, Australian Australian businessman, businessman who uh, has various ventures. I think I think he's originally um, fitness based. Type stuff, but he has drinks brands included, and that's why it's Gil. Gil. So Adam Gilchrist, um, the Giltinis, and the Gilgronies. I didn't know that's why it's Gil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, They are his brands. So it's like I I don't actually know what the drink is. I assume it's like a pre-mix, like a gin in a tin type. Uh, Is it not from his spirits? Well, it it might be from his spirits, but then I assume it's a pre-mixed type thing. Giltini, Jatini. Is he? Is it just a? Does he have a? Is it like Aldi, where they do something that tastes just like <laughs> <laughs> the Punk IPA? Yeah, Aldi's exactly. Punk IPA won't be as good as the uh, stuff we, stuff stuff that you get from premium brands. Oh, obviously absolutely not. not. Obviously. obviously not. Oh, speaking of premium brands, oh, do we have a winner? Uh, no, something more important. Oh, JB, yes, you are a year older this week. I am, yes. I am a uh, 20... Uh, <laughs> late, uh, late 20s. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, 30, 37. Very late 20s. Um, I've got a little present for you. Don't swing on the antique chairs! <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday oh, for this oh, thank, thank you, my friend. I did wonder what that little bag was. I thought, I thought Phil oh. had taken to get a man bag. <gasps> no! What's that? <gasps> Strong Zero! <laughs> oh, wow! Dare we? Dare we dodge? <laughs> me, maybe not. No. No, I've, One for you, Tim. I've got you, I've got you six cans. Oh, God, uh, that's six cans. Of 9% It's called a, a suicide dose. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Feed this to an elephant? <laughs> no, do, do, you know what, do you know what we should do? We should do a... Well, a I'm going to have one. Are you going to crack one? I'm going to have one. Whoa. I, I'm dry, I've got to drive home. I, I've got I work all week. I would love to. <laughs> I, uh, I've got a wife. I've got kids. Oh, oh wow. God! The, the can I tr- can I the tr- early can part? I try, can yeah, I try and sip of yours rather than have a can of my own? The, the early parts of Japan, England, are flooding back to me. <laughs> but only the very early parts. Do you know what that tastes like? I'm I'm glad I've I've experienced this now. It tastes like what you make in the park in a bottle when you're 14 or 15, 16 or something. It's so easy to drink. <laughs> yeah, oh, so easy to drink. Almost oh, too easy. That's dangerous for 9%, <laughs> really, isn't it? Really well, dangerous. What are you drinking, Centauri? Minus 196 degrees I mean, that's, C. That's below an absolute zero, is it not? Uh, I thought my absolute zero was like 2.7. Well, it was absolute it can't be, I mean, zero. I mean, it, it's, so it's colder than yes. liquid nitrogen. So minus 2.73 is absolute zero. Okay, so not quite. Or, or zero Kelvin. I mean, uh, by all means, JB, just drink them. Um, well, what, what, all six of them what I was going to suggest is if you do save if you do save a, a, a few we could do a special podcast um, with some strong zero stories and other listener Q&A's <laughs> whilst enjoying some strong zeros oh god that would get oh, incoherent wow. towards I think the end I think that's the thing we get emailed about most is people their stories strong whilst story, drinking yeah. strong zeros <laughs> I can't believe you just cracked a can mm. yeah Insane. Yeah. You're gonna put on my suit and sleep on the street now. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you have a strong zero story or any other point or question or anything, it's uh, contact Chasers at gmail dot com. Bristol, Bordeaux. Yeah. Yeah. This was a shock to me because I see Bristol as a team that can overcome absolutely anything. And 
I don't think they were far away from overcoming this. I mean, if I were a Bristol fan, I'd look back at a couple of the decisions. Mm. The Jalibert try, the potential uh, Higginbotham knock-on for the Dweeber try. Dweeber, I love this this guy. He's awesome, isn't he? He's class. He just looked uh, so dangerous, so explosive. Um, Yeah, and even with those decisions that kind of, that went against Bristol Bristol was still pushing and it was it was fine margins like the the Higginbotham knock-on um, that led to the Dweeber try um, or not knock-on that led to the Dweeber try Bristol were 10 yards 5 yards from Bordeaux's line that easily could have been a, a Bristol try that puts them right back into it and the scoreline only went so far to, to Bordeaux because of that and then the interception right at the death that, that totally killed the game. The Bristol were not far away, but they were forced by Bordeaux to play right on the edge. And this was something that Bordeaux did brilliantly. Mm. They disrupted at the, at the, the breakdown in the tight and their defence was awesome. They read everything, so they really shut down Randrander and Piatau and, and all the other threats, and Morhan and, and Purdy and um, Sheedy and Leira yeah. and Piers O'Connor when he came on and Nathan Hughes and Ben Earl. Like, there's so many threats right across the park and Bordeaux really did a number on shutting Bristol down. Yeah, not an easy team to shut down, Bristol. They're really not. And I mean, for context, it should just it should just remind, uh, you know, I don't think Bristol will be surprised about the results and Bristol fans shouldn't be because it went to extra time at Ashton Gate in the Challenge Cup semi-final Month, only a few months ago. So, do you know how many calories are in a <laughs> How many? 54. What? What? Hang on. That's that impossible. That is impossible because of the alcohol. Hang on. 54 per 100. It must be per 100 milliliters. Per 100 mils, yeah. which is just 330, is it? Oh, Still pretty low calorie, that. Yeah, yeah. 150 calories. Oh, my God. You can, I, I you can get you can get wasted and not put on and, and stay under ninety seven kg. Japanese people are so drunk and so thin. <laughs> <laughs> so it must it must be sweeteners in that then because if yeah. it's so if it's anyone who tells you right that like artificial chemicals are, are bad for you. <laughs> drink drink strong zero. Yeah, they're wrong, aren't they? Because just in terms of the alcohol, it, it can't be far off that. And all of the you know whole lemons which they must use to make this. Well, I think the same thing with those. We with JB and I. And this is, I mean, this is a much better conversation. But JB and I had a very brief conversation about protein yogurts <laughs> earlier, and um, I can't believe how low they are. You, you get yeah, like the no 50, fat 15, 20 percent of uh, 15, 20 grams or like 20 grams of protein in a pot. Yeah. But you've only got like 190 calories. Yeah, well, if, if you've got basically no sugar and no fat. Yeah. yeah, so every every gram of protein would have four calories in it. So 20 grams um, of protein has 80 yeah. calories in it, and then you have a couple of grams of sugar. This is the sort of That's chat that lot. players talk about at the training ground, I yeah. imagine. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. What's your preferred type of protein yoghurt, Tim? Well, let's lead on to the strong zero. <laughs> <laughs> do not drink strong zero if you're a professional athlete. Do not do that. Um <laughs> Yeah, so Bordeaux, uh, very, uh, very, very nice win. I just disappointed the Bristol Bears. I, I was expecting more. Yeah, and they were close, but it, it, I think they they really backed themselves after the last couple of weeks of results where they've been well two tries down with minutes left on the clock. They backed themselves to be able to do it, and Bordeaux are a very good team. They're very organised, and they. Bristol having to attack allowed Bordeaux to put the pressure on and allowed them to capitalise on it's, Bristol's it's, mistakes. It's Bordeaux's first ever quarter-final in the Champions mm. Cup. 
I, I, I am I am really disappointed because Bristol v Racing just had such a sexy feel to it as yeah. a fixture, didn't it? Do you know who was a tight yeah. prop for Bordeaux? Say it again, sorry. You know who was a tight prop for Bordeaux? Yes, Cobblas. Still going strong. He's only 33. Steve Diamond must have picked him up young. Yeah. Came over to um, Sale from, I want to say Moldova. Yeah. Moldova, yeah. Moldova. Best at table tennis, best at wrestling, great hands. Like, basically one of the has best not, signings. Has knocked over an international conversion. Yeah. People don't realise <laughs> how skillful he is at pretty much everything. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, still winning games, which is awesome to see. Yeah. Dimes knows his players. I mean, there's quite a nice um, prop pairing with Cobblas and Poirot. Jefferson Poirot. Yeah, they made a really... That's such a cool name. Yeah. They made a really interesting point in comms uh, about this, which is Jefferson Poirot is the captain of Bordeaux. And they were thinking of other captains who were captain from Loosehead. And that's or, a, or just prop in general. Uh, Vickery and Heymans. Phil Vickery, Carl Heymans. Oh, yeah, good, good shout. Um, John Schmidt did when he was hooker moved across to tight Ed. Yeah, that's a good shout. Um, I think Nick Mullins on comms said David Soul. For Scotland, yeah, yeah the, in, in, in the nineteen ninety, well, in the nineteen ninety team that, that beat uh, Murray beat England in the Grand Slam decider. Did did Tom Smith captain? I don't know I if he don't did. Think I, I could be wrong. I don't think so. But my knowledge of nineties rugby is not. I don't, Tom Smith was just a total workhorse, and and but he he was a very very quiet man. I wouldn't have yeah. thought he was a skipper. Brilliant guy and player. Yeah, I can't think of it. I can't think of many. Because mm. there's been a, f- a fair few hookers. Yeah, quite a lot of hookers. Years. But Lucid's in particular, because yeah, he. Oh, right, Lucid's just the inferior, inferior prop, <laughs> aren't they? The uh, weaker of the two. Um, mm. I, there you go. So, uh, anything else I want to say about this? Yes, I would like to say that Cameron Walkie intimidates me even via the TV. Oh, I know. <laughs> Goodness me. Yeah. The back on the boy. Yeah. He's a He's all boy. over the place. Uh, so in a good explosive, way. Yeah. He doesn't start for France, but, you know, it just tells you how good the, the French de- back Yeah, uh, the French de- back And he's, he's young. He is. And he, I, I've always quite liked Scott Higginbotham. I think, I think he's just... A, he's a big boy. He's a very good carrier. He's an intelligent rugby player. And he's very good in that team. He's the kind of guy they need. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, any other any other games? No, well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's look to the quarterfinals, and then we can we can jump. Um, no other games. Jump, jump across the maybe the one other game to, to oh, mention. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go on. Um, maybe one. I, I didn't watch it, so we don't really need to cover it much. Did, did, did you didn't see it? I've I've seen that the highlights. 
I'm wow. so disappointed with the Welsh regions. Bearing in mind that the national team's just won the Six Nations Championship and they've made all this effort to get Welsh players back to the regions. Yeah, and, they've owned, the and they've only got four. So their teams are not diluted in the way that premiership sides are or even top 14 sides for that matter. And I'm really disappointed with the regions. And, and Scarlet's just symptomatic of that. We're just so poor with yeah. the players they've got. I mean, that's not to take it away from Sale, who were excellent. Yeah, just on the Welsh regions, and guess the whole it's exactly the same point as I made before. You know, if the Pro 14 isn't giving you tough competition, how do you gel as a squad? You can't just take half of your international team and hope that they <coughs> play well. Scarlett showed up to this game with four Lions. You'd think that four Lions would be able to do some damage. It reminds me of the Exeter versus Cardiff game at Sunday Park, and Cardiff lost by about 50 points. Cardiff had five, maybe, it might have been seven British and Irish Lions on, you know, in their team, and they still got spanked. Mm. I think they're going to have to have another look at this, because you can't just cruise through your league, let, let, you know, roll over for Leinster each and every year, then show up with the, you know, all guns blazing. But they've had no time together. They've had no time to form cohesion, bonds, combinations, all things that you need as a team. Whereas Sale rolled into this, and they just spanked them absolutely spanked them. I don't think I've seen Sale have such an easy ride of it uh, mm. all season. Uh, certainly not under Sanderson. Uh, Scarlets were completely incapable to deal with any uh, any of the physicality. They were so deep. There was a couple of decent moments from Jack Morgan. I thought he was reasonable. Everyone else just didn't show up. And these are not players that are known for not showing up. Wynne Jones, uh, Ken Owens. <laughs> you know, they are good players. Well, they, they could, That could be part of a Lions front row. In genuinely, yeah. In two, three months' time, Win Jones was probably the best loose head prop in the tournament. In my, in my mind, I thought he had a great tournament. Yeah, Will Griff dealt with him fairly, fairly easily. I think. Um, and rather than saying uh, we played amazingly well, Alex Anderson said, "I think we, I think we caught Scarlett's a bit cold." I think Alex Anderson might look at that and go, "That shouldn't have been fifty-seven points. That should have been seventy points or eighty points." Because in the open exchanges, um. I thought Sale were completely dominant. They were unlucky not to come away with more. Now, when Scarlets folded eventually, they completely, completely folded. There's nothing that they could do. And you know, I'll give you an example. Like Across the field, they were not able to contain Sale. Out wide, Barry McGuigan was breaking a tackle every time he had the ball. And because he broke that tackle, then the guy who would be naturally jack- jackling has then to go back around and make the tackle. Yeah. And then they can set up again. The Dupree... Well, I say the Dupree's. I think there's only one playing. I think there was one oh, playing. Um, John was Luke and, and... Yeah, Daniel. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, they were running over people for fun. The best I've seen, best that I've seen them play. And I think, actually, if they were a bit more disciplined with going to, ball, going to ground quicker, again, Sale would be even, would be even better. So uh, that's all good. Bevan Rod. Hear me now, believe me later. That is an England player. That is an England player. Through it doesn't England. sound like an England player with that. He sounds like a Welsh player. I think Wales would be delighted if he was a Welsh player. But if England are not picking him up very soon, I would be astonished. He so he's only like 21, isn't he? Brilliant. Absolutely. I mean, he looks like he's about 35. Yeah. Uh, Langdon came on, made a huge impact. But I guess the guy... I think AJ McGinsey got 32 points, all, um, all told. And <laughs> the, the genius of AJ McGinty is he's got all these mavericks around him. They don't know when to stop running. You know, you've got Faf weaving all sorts of magic. And it's his ability to put structure onto the game 
which I don't think uh, Rob Dupree can do. I don't think anyone can do. I think you've got to be an incredibly mature and sophisticated rugby player to be able to knit all this stuff together. Well, have lots and lots of skills, but keep it, make it look very, very, do everything very, very simply. Yeah. Because, you know, he knows he's got... I mean, imagine how hard it is to predict what a Dupree is going to do with what they run sideways, they bump people off, they've gone two or three yards further than they should do, they've thrown a ball ball over their head or beneath their legs in an offload, then you've got Faf doing Faf stuff. Bloody hard playing fly, fly half a sail, and yet he does it really, really well. On the flip side, it's always easier playing fly half when you're behind a very, very dominant pack. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't feel too sorry for him. Uh, oh, the, the, those Poor Dupree age. brothers ran further than he was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> Poor AJ. Yeah, they, they blew out the rook too quick. Um, Bevan Rod. Yeah. So he's 20 years old. Yep. He'll be 21 in August. Um, he was born in Scotland. Really? But he's got England under 16, 17, 18. England honours. If I was Scotland, I would cap him immediately. Well, so he's listed on sales website. Do you know what position he's listed as? I would say Lou said prop, but I'm guessing it's not then. Well, it's prop and... Flanker. Hooker. Oh, wow. Wow. So wow. That, I mean... God, that was exciting. That's old school. That is old school. So I wonder I wonder if he got um, a call when... Because obviously we've just had the, the Scottish hooker crisis of 2021. Yeah. He might have been on the list for that. Maybe. Although he's not, he's obviously well, not hooking. Of course, sale. they called up you, uh, you and Ashman. Yeah, who was another group. I mean, I thought Langdon. I mean, it's, it's going to be great to see who is going to be the number two at Sale because looking at the way that Van der Merwe played, what? you think, well, he's got It'll to be, be Tommy Taylor will be number one. Tommy Taylor's not been number one. Tommy Taylor. Tommy Taylor will be number two then. Will he? Yeah. What, over. I don't know. I don't know if he's. I don't think he's. He's as good as. Um, I don't think he's as don't, good Don't as you talk about my Tommy like that. <laughs> I, I think Langdon is, 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 Langdon's the boy. And his dad's a Marine. There you go. What's Taylor's we'll dad? See. We'll see. Let, let's look at the quarterfinal <laughs> ma- what The quarterfinal <laughs> matchups then. So, um, in, and in order of broadcast. Well, before we do, can, oh, yeah, we, can we just touch on the other bit of news, which was the Mike Brown story? Well, I mean, we, could, we can go on to the... Because we can do that in the context of okay. touching on the Challenge Cup. Okay. So, cool. just like, like just to wrap up the, um, yeah. the, the Champions Cup with a nice bow on it... Um, Saturday, they're all on Saturday and Sunday. Two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Three PM on Saturday. La Rochelle plays Sale. Ooh. With a crowd, I'd say La Rochelle win that at home. Yeah, I think Sale have got Sale have got a really good shout. It does. Uh, yeah, look, Styles make matches, and is Sale's power game going to work as well against La Rochelle as it does against Scarlet? Well, clearly not. It won't work no. as well. Yeah. No. And then you know. If it's a slight change of momentum, do they keep up the energy? Do they keep up all that good stuff which makes them win? Or do they go into their shells a bit? Which is entirely a possibility. Um, so, with that in mind, give me sale by 20 points. <laughs> I, this is definitely one that Sale can win. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think you're exactly right, Tim, that it, I did, if La Rochelle had a crowd, I would say they're favourites. Without a crowd, I think this is a, a coin toss. I think this could I'm, go either way. I'm totally with you. I, th- I think this would be a really good way- game because JB, as you said, styles make matchups, and I think these two are—they're nicely matched. Yeah, they—they mm. they are very well matched sized. And the last time that Sale got to a European Champions Cup quarterfinal in San Sebastian, in what year? Two thousand and eight. I think it was two thousand seven. Two thousand and six. The year oh. they—the year they won the league. Was it real? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, 
Exeter v Leinster, Saturday, 5.30pm. This is the one. I cannot wait for this game. Yeah. I'm so excited. We travelled across the... uh, the Irish Sea to watch this a few years ago. Yeah, God, th- three years ago. Yeah. And by the way, the way that the way that the games have been organised, with no disrespect to La Rochelle and Sale, because I'm really looking forward to that game. But that's a brilliant curtain raiser for Exeter Leinster, and then on the Sunday, yeah. Bordeaux, Bordeaux Racing is a brilliant curtain raiser for Claremont Toulouse. They're, they're all great games. Oh, they're but such the, good games. The the more wins, oh. the, the premium uh, Heineken Cup brand, brand oh. are the latter games in both. So exciting, Exeter Leinster! I cannot wait. How's it going? Oh, I don't know. Exeter. Exeter will do everything that we know Exeter can do, but they will they will find Leinster more difficult to break down than just about any team. Yeah, because Exeter, Exeter, um, Leinster are they have the the amazing combination of enormous amounts of experience in both Heineken Cup and international. Like pretty much everyone in their team is an international player. Um, well, it was even without Gary Ringrose and James Ryan last weekend. Every single one of their starting fifteen was a full Irish international. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And even the the guys that um, guys bringing off the bench who are not Irish internationals, like someone like Scott Fardy, yeah. who's just such a he's been such a smart acquisition because he covers a huge number of positions, um, and he's just very very good and very experienced. Yeah. Um, so. This will Leinster will be as difficult as any other team in Europe um, for Exeter to break down, and the bit that Exeter have to do is, which they do incredibly well, is trust their processes and trust their systems because they are not. If Leinster go two tries up as um, Leon did, it would take the full eighty minutes for Exeter to get the opportunity to come back into that game. They're not going to be after fifty minutes. This game is not going to be over. This is going to be a full eighty-minute match yeah. for, for for both teams. I think I, I think it's another coin toss, but I'm going to say Leinster come out on top of this one. Exeter. I just think they've been more battle hardened through the Premiership. They're ready to go. Exeter win their league at a canter. Nah, Exeter. The battle hardens interesting because it, it's it's definitely true, but that that week off might well um, it, it might well um, bode well for Leinster because they had they've obviously had most most of their players have been playing in Six Nations, which is incredibly physical. They then went straight into the Pro Fourteen final against a very physical Munster team. And a week off is probably just what the doctor ordered for Leinster, mm-hmm. so I think that will actually suit them quite nicely. Yeah. Yeah, with that said, I really want Exeter to win. You're yeah. willing it to happen. Yeah. Give me give me Exeter by three points. On to Sunday, Bordeaux v Racing ninety two. Bordeaux versus Racing. Bordeaux Racing win this. I I mean, yeah, on paper I'd say Racing do. I don't really know enough about how they're both going domestically to say. Um I can tell you now, Racing are third in the league, have won thirteen out of twenty, Bordeaux are fifth, won eleven out of twenty. Ooh, so not 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 an enormous amount in it. Um, I guess it'll be Racing then. Yeah, I I think Racing, but Bordeaux. I, I was I was very impressed with um, with their ability to well fundamentally stop Bristol, which is if you can stop Racing and Racing are uh, Racing probably a similar style to Bristol. Mm. They've got amazing runners, uh, um, amazing distributors. I mean when. Um, there was Beal and Zebo 
both on the pitch in that last 20 Zeebo minutes. Is he rumoured to go into London Irish? Yeah, potentially. Which, if he's I, if he's I'm, old enough and he's expensive enough. <laughs> to play in the forwards. Well, <laughs> I mean, London, Irish is, London Irish is back three. They don't need Zebo. No. Look, I mean, they've got Naholo potentially to come back, but oh, Parton, yeah. Ollie Hassel Connellans, and Ben Loader, Loader are. And, and you've got Stoke, James Stokes as well. Stokes, good. yeah, very good. I, I wouldn't be spending a lot of money on Zebo. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Either. I don't think that's a good move. Um, but, yeah. Uh, just one thing I didn't mention earlier when we talked about Bordeaux v Bristol, and you mentioned the decisions uh, quite rightly, Phil. But what about. Um, what Austin Healy had to say about the and we've this has been brought up before many times about the uh, French directors being selective with their camera angles. Um, yeah, and Pat Lam has look, s- intimated as much. Uh, you, you, they don't have crowds. You need some sort of ho- uh, home advantage. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. I quite like the gamesmanship. I mean, yeah, I know people handering and say uh, it's not a great look for the sport. Fine, look if you want to get the right angles, go into the go into the director's truck and make it happen. It's it's a very good point. The um, on the because um, the the Dweeber try in particular the Higginbotham, they showed two angles which were totally totally inconclusive. There must be I don't know twelve <laughs> cameras in that stadium, sixteen uh, cameras. How you could only get two angles that were totally inconclusive? Now, as far as I understand it, um, because the TMO is in the same broadcast truck as the directing team in a different part of it, but yeah. in the same truck. They have access, as, as I understand it, the TMOs, to every camera. However, they the one they will focus on most is the one that the director is selecting. Mm. Oh, so the TMO can say, look, there's a different angle here. I think so. I don't know how it, it works. It didn't, on reviewing of that Higginbotham potential knock-on, it didn't look no. like... No. Because you could not get anything conclusive from those two angles. No. Um, it, conveniently, you couldn't get anything conclusive from yeah, those I'm two just, angles. And, it's and very, even very strange how this happens <coughs> from time to time, and usually in one direction. Yeah, yeah. And it'd be all right when it if it happened in both directions. Yeah, but, but the the uh, the Purdy knock on over the line, uh, plenty of absolutely loads of angles to see that. Yeah, there yeah. was. But the, the the interesting one was the Jelly Bear try that was given as no try off the field and they had to combine two angles to make a decision but neither one of them definitively showed the ball going down over the line now the the referee I thought the referee handled that quite well because he said uh, that the TMO uh, the the ref said I haven't I'm not sure if he was short yeah, or not. we see the ball on the. We see the ball grounded. Well, I can see the ball grounded, but we don't know where it we, was. Uh, uh, no, or he's, no, 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 no. The ref said he was over the line. I don't know if it was grounded. The TMO looked at it and said, "I can see a grounding, but the angle doesn't show that it's over the line." And the ref put the two together and said, "Well, I saw him over the line. I just didn't know if he grounded it." You've seen a grounding. We'll put yeah. the two together. Let, I, let the boys play. I think. I think probably in that the right decision was made. Yeah, but it was interesting that they they overturned the on-field decision without definitively that's true see they didn't have the definitive evidence you could i think logically the conclusion they got to the right conclusion if it was a trial the jury may well have said not guilty uh, or no try uh with reasonable doubt yes yeah no try with reasonable doubt or that just because of the if you'd have asked the other question if you or if it had said on-field decision is a try it definitely would have been a try. Yeah. Because he said on-field decisions, no try. I think you'd be a little bit aggrieved, but I think in that one, the right an- they actually got yeah. the right answer. Uh, final game, Claremont to lose. Such a good way to finish the weekend. Well, not well. there'll be games afterwards, but Sunday 3pm. 
I hope the weather's rubbish, by the way. <laughs> like not not uh, not at the games. Hope the weather's wonderful at the games, but rubbish. So I don't feel bad about sitting indoors. Indoors <laughs> all weekend. All weekend. <laughs> I want Toulouse to win for no other reason that I love Toulouse. I think I just think that they're, they're cooler than everyone else. How it goes down, I don't know. I suspect Toulouse are the slightly superior team here. I've always had a liking for for Claremont more so even than, than Toulouse. But mm. I think this incarnation of the Toulouse team, it just represents everything that's good about French rugby. Yeah, it does, isn't it? It really does. It, it's the... Huge men, rapid backs. Yeah. Swagger. Talented youngsters. Like seriously yeah. talented youngsters coming through that, they, that they've that they developed. Um, so, and I, I think either one will be a handful, um, no, matter, um, no matter who goes through, either one will be in with a shot of winning the title. I think Toulouse probably have a slightly better chance of winning the, the title overall. So, for that, give me to lose. Mm. Agreed. We could do a Challenge Cup podcast. You could do because people with those teams that might might want to. I've not. Uh, I, I don't think I've seen enough fine. of it to do. Well, it let's just I've this. only seen two ga- one game really. Let's rattle the Irish one. It was awesome. No worries. Let's rattle through it then because uh, Mike Brown. Firstly, you're quite right. So he has been rumoured since for, well for Forever. months and months. Rumoured yeah. to be going to Newcastle. It was confirmed this week, and Mike Brown. Didn't want to give a statement through the club. He gave a statement on his own in a newspaper article and felt hard done by. Talked about finding out he was leaving and going to his car and crying. Yeah. Which, I mean, always sad to hear. It is. Look, don't give the animals names. Um, people giving Gustav a hard time for this because it was Gustav conversation, which uh, he was referring to. Yep. Four minutes of Gustav. I seem to know. I seem to have known for quite some time yeah. through rumours that this was happening. How? How? Yeah. Well. So. Yeah. You're right. Mike Brown. Uh, what a lot of people have said is that's disrespectful to only give Mike Brown a four minute conversation when you're when you're telling him he's letting him go. Um, <laughs> if you watch School of Hard Knocks in the NFL yeah. and you see uh, an NFL coach, and you, if you, in fact there's a scene in Moneyball where Billy Bean, Brad, Brad, Brad Pitt plays, tells Jonah Hill's character. You can't sugarcoat it. When you're letting someone go, all they want to know is um, what's happening. You go in, you've been traded, you, you've it's been a, cut. Yeah, I, it's, so there is a balance. All I'm saying is, actually, if if Paul Gustard had done a big, Mike Brown's going, everyone get together, let's have a big celebration. So, it, like, like you go to the other extreme, I'm saying there is a middle ground. There here. is a middle ground, right? And I wonder if this is sort of... Not to be unkind to Mike Brown, I, I, I don't want this to come across unkind at all. But look at the way that Robshaw left. We knew Robshaw was going for ages. They named a bar after him. You know, he had um, you know cheerleaders. He had all sorts of things going on. It, whole, it seems to be like a whole year of Robshaw uh, themed events. <laughs> now, if Mike Brown's known that he's going since when Gustard, well, since before Gustard left, they could have done all, done all that. Now, it, it, could, it could be a question like, did Mike Brown really not want to go so much that he was holding out that this? Once the management team had changed, that he could stay. I mean, you don't know, do you? Well, he did say in his the mail article that he tried after Gustard left. Yeah. he tried reopening that door and was told, but what, no, what it's shut. Yeah, he he told them no, it's shut, and he also did mention that what they were offering him 
wasn't what he felt his market value was, i.e. Newcastle were offering him more. And there you go. Well, well, yeah, and that's that's where the business side of it comes to for me because yeah. there's, there's a lot of the emotional side, and, yeah, I, I totally get the... the there's the four-minute version... There's the five-hour PowerPoint of every... This is why you're so old and you're, these are all the tackles that you've missed and we'll, we'll tell you in detail about how good all the youngsters are. Um, and there, there's a middle ground, obviously. The four minutes doesn't... I'm not bothered about the four minutes. I, I, I would personally want it to be as short as possible if you tell me you're not going to offer yeah, me a new product. I but, doubt it was just like that one... I mean, he was rumoured to go to Exeter but, last year. Yeah, but but there's the there's the business decision, which is... Mike Brown will have been on a very good deal. We know a few years ago he was on a very, very good All the England guys were on 300k plus, and that was when they weren't playing for England. Um, sorry, weren't playing for Quinns as much because they were playing for England more. Uh, he'll still be on a very good contract. He's not worth as much as he was his deal two years ago or his deal five years ago now, but he still has a um, value. And actually, given how he's playing, he still has quite a significant value. Yeah, exactly. He's been... But but his value to Quinns might not be as high as his value to Newcastle quite. at the moment. 100%. And this is the bit that no one seems yeah. to be talking and about, is the he... realistic business position, because it's a business. Yeah, because I mean, you're right. Sorry, I'll just be very quick. Everyone seems to have... And, and it might be right about the four minutes. Paul Gustav may not have handled it the best way. Who knows? But uh, everyone seems to be just going, oh, Paul Gustard. But from what I read from Mike Brown... Quinns also haven't offered him what Newcastle yeah. have offered yeah, him. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's not just Paul Gustard. Yeah. So there's a few things weird about this, I think. Number one, Newcastle have a plastic pitch. Harlequins do not play on, on, on plastic pitches. So I don't know. Do what they not? No, I don't know what the plan is there. You, you, really? 100%. Quinns told me. <laughs> <laughs> so. 100%. Mm. 100%. Um, so that's a very weird one. Uh, yeah, you've covered off all the other points on, on, on Mike Brown quite quite well, I think, so I won't add anything more to that. Uh, other Quinn stuff is I am pretty certain at this point they are nearly done with signing Razi Erasmus for next year. So that'll be that'll be very interesting. Wow. Now, should wow. the Razi Erasmus stuff... Um, that's huge if that happens. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Just off, just quick... Just quickly, um, uh, like amazing for Quinns. Do you, do you think that? Yeah, Phil. Um, I I I would like to see it. Yeah, I think I think that is right. Certainly in terms of coaching personnel in the world, he's that's, as big a name as you huge can get. For the, huge for the Premiership. I've got my reservations, to be honest, because they're going well as it is, and you know they have a structure which requires a DOR. So currently, a lot of people are chipping in. It would raise a few issues for me. Number one, um, Quinns have made a lot of redundancies uh, across their organisation. They've got rid of four hundred or three hundred thousand pounds worth of costs in there. Not a DOR because, of course, Gustav was not a DOR, was he? He was head of rugby. So they're going to bring in either DOR or head of rugby. And I think when you're going so well and you've made redundancies, bringing in someone like Razi Erasmus, who you know, you've got to say, you bring in a guy like that, money must be no object. That's the sort of contract that you're writing. I mean, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be the guy signing that contract knowing that I've let, you know, other people go. Um, 
so yeah, mixed feelings on that. I, I, what if he comes in and doesn't like how things are done, or you know, it's a culture clash? Quinn's are going really well. Could, could be brilliant for uh, well, as a self, self, selfishly as an Englishman, it could be good for us. It, please, can South Africa if that happens? Peter de Villiers would be a great shout for your head coach. Please. <laughs> <laughs> and I've also got one other theory, and I'd like to know: Do you think Quinn's are doing well because Robshaw's gone? Um, the the no, because the uptick in performance didn't coincide with Robshaw leaving. It coincided with Gustard leaving. Bear with me. So I I have a I have a theory. Robshaw walking out the door it gave all those other lads, all those other senior lads, a bit of a sense of perspective that the end the end is nigh. So Care Marler Brown, all of a sudden their their good mate has gone out the door and is off to, uh, off to San Diego. And I just wonder if that's given them the extra kick up the arse that they need to think, Christ, this team's disintegrating now. We've got basically one more year, and it is now one more year because Mike Brown's off at the end of the year, to win something. I think they were trying to prove now that their premiership title was not a one-off, that in fact they've got to produce right now. Hmm... Uh, I do. Th- I do think they've improved because uh, Rob-, Rob Shaw's left. I just wonder if it gives. It's the, the kicker. Yeah, that that is one p- potential to explain it. The, An- the another- Gustard is a more. Yeah, it's a more abrupt and obvious because yeah. basically the minute Gustard left out the went out the door, the results went through the roof. Yeah, like, it's mm-hmm. it's so aligned with that. The only other way you could suggest that Rob Shaw uh, played a role is that um, much as with some other players perhaps the the contract he was on and was paying actually they can get more value for the team overall by getting Tyrone Green and um, a another player I'm trying to think of another example of a new a new player oh I mean the fact that you could you could probably have got two or maybe three good first team players for Chris Robshaw's money yeah yeah well Tyrone Green Archie White and the guy who looks like uh, looks like the the Burnley manager um, yeah, James Chisholm. Ch- Chisholm. Chisholm, who's also playing really well. Mm. So. Um, just on Mike Brown not playing on plastic pictures. Yes, he played against Saracens at Allianz Park uh, in August last year. I've not, I've not gone back to do a massive deep dive, but uh, he definitely maybe he had some issues. Yeah, he, he doesn't play much on plastic pi- yeah uh, mm. pictures. I can guarantee that. That'll be interesting. Yeah, but uh, so. yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So the Challenge Cup games, yeah, London Irish game was great. They it was good. awesome game. It was a really good fair. game. Really good. Game. Yeah, and London Irish. So they had the red card, and then a yellow card. So they had. Um, I always get his name wrong. Will I want to say Carrick Smith, but it's Goodridge, Goodridge Clark. Clark. Yeah. So um, my question is, how few players do London Irish need in order to score the lineup? <laughs> Ten. So they were, they were down to thirteen men at one point in the last twenty minutes, weren't they? Yeah. Um, they, they, that back three is just electric. I love their back three. They're cool, aren't they? They're yeah, very, very cool. I love Loader. Such a spindly, Lo- skinny little thing. Loader and Ollie Hassel. not actually, but it's massive. In real yeah, life. Ollie Hassel Collins as well because he hits like a train defensively and he's so fast. And when he started, when he made that break right at the end, yeah, yes, yeah. go on, go on. Crikey. Yeah, good game, good, good game. Very good game. Um, before we go on to anything else, anyone notice this New Zealand study? Has it come across your radar? New Zealand study? On concussions? No. So it's going to be the biggest ever study of concussions in for amateur players. 
Okay. And it is a which, which probably, like, you could probably achieve that by getting a study of studying 10 people. <laughs> has, yeah. has there been a study of concussions at, am- at amateur levels? The answer is I don't know. Not, not really. I mean, I don't but Yeah, it'd be interesting. Uh, I think you've got two things going on here. Um, concussions in the pro game, which are very, very serious, and what happens in the amateur game. And I think con- a con- concussions as a group are serious. A concussion at amateur level can be very serious, but it can also be nothing. And we've got to be very careful, uh, particularly in rugby coverage, when they're covering the pro game, not to paint concussions as if they're the end of the world, because we've all played rugby, we've all had a concussion, they all affect people differently, and you can have... I, I've, I know a friend who has had to go down to part-time work, they can be incredibly serious. Mm. But there again, i played with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of players, and it's happened to one. Uh, so the, my worry about this concussion study is... It's pretty much a, not a foregone conclusion, but the people who want to say, look, we told you rugby was da- da- dangerous, don't play it in schools, don't do this, don't do that, change all the laws. Well, that's what they'll, that, well, that's what they'll weaponize mm-hmm. it for. And the people who want to continue playing it, even if you told me it's 20 times more dangerous than, than I perceive it to be, I would still play it. Because, you know, it, I, 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 I just would. The only way this can go well is if they get this data and say, look, it's less dangerous than, than what we thought. But I don't think that's going to happen. And even oh. if it did, they'd call whitewash. Because some people, no matter what it says, would say, ah, uh-huh, look, it's dangerous. Yeah, the, the people who, no matter what comes out of this study, yeah. will use it for their purposes. Well, the we, we, that- we, we saw that with a, a report uh, exactly. published earlier this week. Very, very similar. Even before that uh, race report was uh, was actually published, everyone who had no one changed their mind. No everyone one, just yeah. said, that's rubbish because, or... or I, that's I, brilliant because. Or yeah. that's brilliant because. It entrenches people further into their views. But so we, we've got no baseline of how dangerous rugby is. The only thing we know is how dangerous I see it as a, on a weekend. All the players that have played, me, played before me, all the players I've played with, all the players I've played against. That, those, those are the, that's the only data that I have. That's the only data anyone has, really, at, at the amateur level. So no matter what comes out of this study, I'll, I'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, new... Uh, new knew that, I'll still play. And then everyone else who's against it will go, oh, I told you it's dangerous. Yeah, you so. shouldn't be playing. Yeah. For, and again, that I think that, so <clears throat> the, the one moral argument I can make is that for uh, minors, mm. uh, where a parent might have an influence on whether like a player plays or, or not. Or in one of the, in, in one of the old <laughs> contacts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, potentially, you could argue that it can never be a bad thing to have data and evidence um for people to make a decision and, and in the case of where there are people involved who have parents who are a part of any decision making process that can't hurt uh, I, I know that in my own and this might sound crude and oversimplified to a lot of people but as far as I'm concerned for my own personal um, equation that I would draw well, one I think the benefits would far outweigh whatever this re- report says and secondly as long as boxing is still a thing uh, then, yeah. then I can't understand what reason I would have to stop playing rugby? Yeah, it's very interesting. So the particularly the argument on kids is they can't consent. It's um, I, you know, I, I've listened to one. I've listened to one sociologist stand up on a stage, loving the sound of his own voice. Well, you shouldn't and, listen to sociologists. Mate. No, of course you shouldn't. Of course you shouldn't. But I had to do. It. I had to do some research, and he's describing it as child abuse. He's tra- describing it as one of the yeah, w- child with, abuse. This is this, and this is why proper empirical research 
done properly, but it'll make no difference w- w- with a new, with, with actually a, 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 an honest, good faith effort to test something and control variables. Sociology does not do that. They, well, they don't do actu- They don't do research that, that's meaningful. They I, ha- they have an agenda and they believe you me. You don't need to convince me. Okay, I, I'm not the guy <laughs> you need to be convincing on the uselessness of sociology. Um, so yeah, there's that. Now the other thing as well, I wanted to bring to, our, to your attention. Did you notice on comms? Uh, Lee Harpenny's concussions were re- referred to as a brain injury. He came off with a brain injury. No, I didn't. Right, so instead of saying Lee Harpenny's returned from concussion, they said he came back from a brain injury. How, how do you guys feel about that? Was it just, was it just poetic licence? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same as saying uh, a hamstring injury is a leg injury. It is and it isn't, right? So... If, so he said, I, I, if, he, if he said head injury, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have minded, would you? Do you no, know, no. If he said traumatic head injury or traumatic brain injury, I think I'd be less worried about it. So uh, the reason I don't like it is twofold. One, I fear. I, one, I think it is genuine fear, fear, fear mongering. Um, I don't. I, don't I, I doubt that was who, intentional. Who, no, no, who, who said it? It was Jamie Lyle on comms. Now, I will just start at this. Jamie Lyle. Um, is a commentator who is incredibly poetic. I really enjoy listening to him, and I do think he was just searching for a different term. Yeah, but okay. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he wanted to make that bigger statement, like it's a brain injury. Um, so the reason I don't like it is twofold. One, I think it is fear-mongering. But two, it's an inaccurate description. So the argument goes something like, and this is from experts, and you can find this quite frequently, people saying we need to talk about concussions in terms of brain injuries. But they're hypocrites, because even these neurosurgeons who are the supposed experts, and they are the experts, actually, not supposed, but the actual experts, um, if I bought them a rugby player and said, he's got a brain injury, they'd look at him and go, oh, right, yeah, he's got a concussion. That doesn't mean that they're underplaying it. In fact, if anything, if you take concussion seriously, the word concussion is more than adequate. So when they said, like, Lee Halfpenny suffered a brain injury, I'm thinking, what, was he running and suffered, like, an aneurysm? What, what is this? Concu- OK, I've got, I've got maybe an analogy, because... Um, I understand what you're saying, and, I, and I'm trying to use an analogy from something else that's quite topical. I haven't just brought up that race report. The the in in the wake of the the, the awful stuff that happened with Sarah, Sarah Everard, there's a lot of people that talked about um, sexual harassment of women, and in doing so, in just talking about sexual harassment as a catch-all term, they lumped in <clears throat> someone going, yeah, with someone who aggressively, physically assaults someone mm. and and the two are are very very different but by using a phrase sexual harassment as an umbrella term to cover it all you you can you can be in danger of making mm. the, the lower end seem more serious and devaluing what the what the what the upper end means well, is that kind of what you mean kind of well yes but i i will say this you know concussions are not not serious they're very serious uh, but they are you know we know if i say that, that a concuss- someone's been concussed I know he's probably taken a blow to the head. I know a lot about that situation. And I take concussion seriously. I don't need to be uh, cajoled anymore to taking it any more seriously by changing my language. And just by calling it a brain injury, it doesn't make Lee Halfpenny's head any any better. It doesn't stop the amount of concussions. Uh, the only thing which stops the amount of concussions, I guess, <clears> would be a change in the law. And I wonder if the reason they use this language is to further lobby for more changes of changes of the law, or so we take it, quote-unquote, more seriously. And then they follow it up with a... something like, we need to have a serious concu- serious discussion about concussions. Well, as far as I'm concerned, we've been having a serious discussion about concussions for the past three years now. And at the pro game... Longer. Yeah, it has to happen. They have to carry on studying it and work out what's going on. At the amateur game, 
we don't need to have many more discussions about concussions. Uh, the scenery <clears throat> in grassroots has completely changed. Like, no longer would you ever keep anyone on. Uh, even five years ago, you might keep someone on. You would never dream yeah. of doing that. It doesn't matter what the situation is. If you think he's got, got a head injury, you bring him off. There's no... no nobody risks it. Nobody so risks don't, it. Do, don't call it a head injury. I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Look, I literally just did it. Yeah, yeah. Head injury. Actually, I wouldn't be too bothered about. But the, the terminology of brain injury, and also where's the limiting principle? People uh, were posting to me on Twitter. Look, a, a concussion is a brain injury. Okay, well, why not just, just call it an injury then? You know, why not just call it an event? <laughs> There's no limiting principle. Yeah, I, I, I guess actually, the, the world rugby, for example, are very clear that they, they don't use the phrase eye gouge. They say contact with the eye area. Yeah, yeah, which is code for eye gouge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I just, I just, don't, I don't like where the conversation is going, and it feels to me like there is a competition. Whoever speaks about concussion in the most shrill way possible is winning it. That that's what. Uh, and, okay, so I think in this case, I don't, I, I don't think Jamie Lyle did not do that. I, no, no, no. Did I think it was that. pure poetic license. I think actually, it's not about the semantics of individual words. It's about the the thrust of the conversation, which is basically you're uh, you're saying, and I agree with you on this. Calm down. No, yeah, nobody is advocating for people to be hurt unnecessarily. We all accept there is a level of risk, and let's just let's just calmly go through this journey of working out how we keep keep the sport, keep the risk which people understand and can make <clears throat> and, and can decide for themselves, but mitigate it in in ways that we can where necessary. I, I just thought it was odd, right? Because. Uh, there is a push. There is definitely a push to call concussions brain injuries. You, you, you hear it. You, you do hear it from the 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 experts, right? And for a game which is absolutely obsessed with its image, to the fact that you know we no longer see fights, we no longer see big hits on Twitter accounts, uh, we no longer you know we all are obsessed by the sa- by safety image. The fact that we now want to call these things brain injuries kind of rubs against the fact that they're trying to look after their image as um, as a sport. There's a lot of things going on here, but I think the word concussion, if you take concussion seriously, which I do, um, that word is enough. If you don't take concussion seriously, then you will be going down the road of brain injury. Uh, Or, of course, what you'd be saying is, I'm only calling it a brain injury, so you take it seriously. And I just think that's kind of (coughs) judgmental. Um, I I can't believe you had a five-minute rant over the semantics of the word brain injury or concussion. Well, think about it, though, Phil, because if you are watching this game for the first time and rugby's whole shtick at the moment is, you know, our image, the commentator calling it brain injury is pretty devastating. But if you're watching it for the first time, you genuinely might not know what a concussion is. I I if you've not seen, If you've not seen... I don't know. If, If you spend your time sewing and gardening... And doing general things, if you're not in the rough and tumble world of rugby, you might not. I mean, that, never, like that's, I, that's why I'm, I'm trying to focus on. The, yeah, I'm trying to focus on the. I'm, I'm trying to focus on the thrust <laughs> of what you're saying, which I totally see. I think the semantics, because I've just suddenly thought of one one thing. HIA stands for head injury assessment. Yeah. Well, because it's a head injury, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is a head injury, and there's no yeah. two ways about that. Yeah. But he- so hit in the head. So that's only mean they damaged their brain. So it, it's like saying. Um, well, a concussion is the equivalent of, like, say, ACL, ACL tear, which mm. would be your um, the specific injury. A concussion is a specific injury. That happens to your brain in the same way as an ACL happens to your knee. That happens to your head in the same way as an ACL happens to your leg. It's just a more specific or less specific way. I, for me, I, I, I'm not kind of triggered when I hear 
brain injury or concussion because I yeah. I know I know exactly what they mean when they say brain injury. I know exactly what they mean when they say concussion. I think, I think my problem is the manipulation of all the attempted manipulation <coughs> of the language. That that is that is my that, that is my problem. And, yeah, and, it's your and, perception and other, and of the yeah, attempted it, well, manipulation of the language. And to be to, to be fair, JB, I can understand the thrust of what you're saying, mate. And, yeah, it, and, and, and equally in other areas of society, I totally see how language is being well, perfect example. Antifa stands for anti-fascist. They're about as fascist as, as in, in, the, in what they do it, with, with some of the stuff they do. But so semantics. Of, however, on this particular point, I understand the thrust of what you say. Yeah. Well, this isn't it, this isn't my this isn't my thought. So this is the thought of the the the, the, the brain injury experts who want to call it uh, you know brain in, uh, brain in, oh, we want to substitute concussion for brain in, brain injury. And I just don't see why. If you t- treat concussion seriously enough, concussion's fine. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with either term. Yeah. I, I, no, I'm definitely not happy with brain injury. I'm not happy with brain injury as a catch-all on TV um, because it's imprecise. You know, I, you know, you might be thinking, it, uh, yeah, it, it, it is less precise than con- concussion. Yeah, uh, you know, if you're going to go for if you're going to go for, for brain injury, there must be a reason behind it. The reason I, must be the, scary. I, I would like because otherwise, I, you go with an injury. Or e- equally, we can just desensitise it by saying, yeah, when you play rugby, you've got a risk of tear. You've got a risk of your ACL going from time to time. It's a dynamic sport, so you you might break your you might break your ankle if you're really unlucky. Actually, you'll have an amazing time. Yeah, you could potentially get a little brain injury. But you can see it. You can see it. A little brain injury. Like. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, well that's, that's what it is. You, nice, yeah. nice you might get a bang on the head and feel a bit groggy for uh, for ten minutes, and then you know you'll watch you, the rest of the game. You can just see this cutting through on so BBC News when everyone's watching it. Instead of talking about concussions in a grown-up uh, situation, which is a grown a, a grown-up um, discussion anyway. Uh, instead, they're saying, "Well, in rugby, you have brain injuries, and people up and down the line, brain injuries. What? What is this?" So I, I like something you said on the. Um, the um, amateur game, mm. uh, the the awareness has massively increased over the last few years. Hugely, because I I remember multiple seeing head injuries, concussion, whatever you want to call it, brain injuries, concussions. Yeah. So someone's banged the head and they're groggy. Let's let's just say that because I don't I want to misdiagnose it. Lu- and, and Lewis Moody goes into a tackle, on. clearly gets oh, absolutely battered, but, but and then carries on. Years years ago, yeah, not standard. even that many years ago, you used to see it. At the highest level, but you would also see it at yeah. lower and lower levels because because there wasn't enough awareness of the potential consequences and how serious and how it needs to be dealt with. The fact that that awareness has raised and it, it is raised right throughout the game, and there's still ones that are missed, but far fewer than the there used to be. That's a good thing for for all aspects of the sport. Yeah. It raises an interesting question for me, which is if concussion is an existential threat to the game, which I don't believe it is. No, I, I, yeah, no, I, I don't believe it is. I don't either. believe it should be. I, I, I think there are elements that it is actually, but big, from the point of view that um, one of the biggest important areas for rugby to to maintain and grow ultimately is, for example, getting it into schools and getting young people to do it. And I think that, that there's a safetyism culture, and I've, God, I've seen this with my, my kids growing up, and I don't know what you find it, but there's, mm. there's there's this kind of people don't let their kids go to the park. No. Or climb a tree, or just so go, do you or, think or they're going to, or go and pick up my cigarettes? Yeah. <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of parents that are going to go. Make oh, you a Negroni. <laughs> no, no, no. Genuinely, there's going to be a lot of parents that go. Oh no, you're not playing that. It's too rough. Just like climbing a tree is too rough, and going to the park on your own and being being out of sight of a, a grown up. So the existential threats of the game is clearly in the professional ranks, and I do have a lot of sympathy for that because. Yeah. 
you know, it's a bloody hard decision to make. Do I carry on and play for that new contract? Do I give up the oh. game, give up my 300k and become, I don't know, a teacher? Do, what, is, what are my options? That is an existential threat, of which <clears> I agree. <throat> I am not worried in the slightest about, uh, about the amateur game, unless the rule changes in the pro game are so radical that it changes the game to something that we don't want don't want it to be. Well, that hasn't happened yet. No, but that that would be that that would be that would be my thought. It's a risk, yeah, existential threat to the pro game, to the game that I play, and the game that hundreds of thousands of people play every year. Not really a threat. Hmm. Um, Challenge Cup. Yeah, how mental was that Northampton game? Didn't see it. Oh, oh it was bonkers. I saw the Bath game. Northampton were miles down to uh, Dragons. Dragons. Dragons were looking like they're cruising it, and Northampton score two tries in the last couple of minutes. It's an insane match. I watched it on the train on the no on the bus on the bus from first class train Dublin and Limerick. Helicopter. No, between no it's it a little coach between Dublin and Limerick. Oh. Um, uh, who, who's on the coach? Uh, just just the crew, and there was six, six of us. With the crew is that what we call Brian O'Driscoll? Is it? <laughs> is he, <in> the room? <laughs> he doesn't travel like that. Um, <laughs> just do you know how Brian O'Driscoll gets producer director? PA and do you know how else? Brian O'Driscoll gets gets the airport from big events? Do you, do you film? I do because I was, I was there oh, when on, he told on you the, on the back of a motorcycle. On the back of a yeah. motorcycle, weaving through traffic. Well, that's like a hero. that part of the reason is when he does a lot of stuff in the studio, um, a bit at the BT studios. He then gets a flight from like Stansted or somewhere, and there's quite often very very little time. To, to get onto his plane I imagine because he's travelling Aer Lingus I imagine he, d- he probably saves time because he doesn't even have to bother with a passport <laughs> yeah. or anything <laughs> on you go Brian <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's the way to travel yeah so there was a few comebacks there was obviously London Irish Bath found themselves three tries down it was 14 yeah. points then 21 points so this is an interesting game I watched it um, and it was interesting because Bath turned it round Basically all through Will Stewart. Like, just literally through Will Stewart. Uh, he was dominating scrums, winning penalties. I think he might have scored a try. Uh, <coughs> right. And the best part about this was half, was, was half time. BT Sport assembled an expert panel. Uh, one was Jordan Murphy, and the other one was... Uh... King of the North. Oh, Dimes. Steve oh, Dimes. Diamond. Dimes was on, wasn't he? I didn't see it at all. Yeah, he, he was awesome. He's genuinely really, really good. A few good one-liners. Um, do you know what I liked? It just, well, it, basically, this, he's basically the Steve Diamond, which I see at, at, saw at sale uh, mm. week in, week out, which is he analysed the game. So exactly uh, exactly what he saw. Uh, Craig Doyle was like, so, this, by the way, is Zebra up. So, uh, Zebra got, a, got, a, um, got a, fighting, a fighting chance here, trying to G everyone up. No, 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 they don't. No, they don't. Great. That's not, yeah, but I, that is absolutely. You're right. That's completely honest. That's not what you want to hear before a game, though, is it? Oh, I I'm, I'm sure that, there, that as much as people would have absolutely loved him being him himself, and that's great, and that's really good value. That there will have been some people in the gantry going, "No, don't say that." <laughs> I, I want people to watch ten minutes time. <laughs> yeah. But you now know Steve Diamond knows exactly what he's talking about. So yeah. uh, when he finally does, I don't know whatever he's going to do next, the European Cup final, and he says it's going to turn in the 80th minute via this that, and the other. Well, there's a good chance of it happening. Dimes knows things. Dimes knows things. I'm telling you now. Mm. What were the other games? Leicester had a very good win. Very good win. They look good. 
Yeah. They look really good. And, and this was a, a mixed team for last. This was not a full strength team at all. I'm telling you, they are the team that are going to put the pressure on yes. Quinn. I've got to say, I, I had that in my mind when you said it, and I thought, they're, yeah, they're better than. They're, they're getting better all the time. Yeah, no and I, I think next next season they will be properly pushing for top four, or yeah. should be. No obvious weaknesses. Um, very well organised, very gritty. Yeah, good team. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. my beloved Ulster. I mean, hammered at Harlequin second they team. They absolutely pumped Harlequin's B team. Yeah, it, it was a proper pumping as well. They do need a rest though, the Quins. Yeah, they, they, they rightly. I think Quins rightly rested. Yeah. They they want top four. Um, they should be able to get top four in the league, and the Challenge Cup was just a step too far Tell this you, season. That top four fight is well. One, two, and three are settled as far as I'm concerned. Maybe sell crumble, but looking what looking at what they were like on the weekend. Looks unlikely. Hmm. Um, that fourth position, though, uh, <laughs> battle royale. I think seeing the Quinns team that they put out against Ulster made me think actually they've got the fourth place. I think the four, the top four, might not not wrapped up, but I think that it, it won't change. I think they have Leicester two weeks after the resumption of the league. Yeah. That'll be the test. Yeah. Yeah, if they win that, I think we're, we're all settled. The, the yeah, then done. we know. And then we, we know can, exactly. We can basically fold up the podcast then, can't we, till, <laughs> till the next important game? No, because we'll be covering the Rainbow Cup. Of course we are. Uh, and we can cover a, a bit of Super Rugby Aotearoa, although my beloved Canes are bottom of the table. How are they? Uh, how are my uh, wonderful Blues doing? Uh, they beat my beloved Canes. They're second. Um, more importantly, the Crusaders lost. What? Uh, to the Highlanders. What was it, a fix? It must have been. My, my Landers, with their, with, Landers. Their lum- with their lumberjack shirts. Well, yeah. funny you mention this. I saw a picture on... Uh, about, did Julian Surveyor play it? Yeah, Surveyor's back. i sure I read something this week about people complaining about Julian Surveyor that every time there's a Highlanders game that he has a party. No, so there was... What happened? So there was a few, I don't know, several of the... Highlanders squad I like me more now have been stood down um, I think yeah. it's some of the young lads because they were partying um, noise violation that kind of stuff noise after, violation I thought you were going to say something cool game. like yeah. noise violation well, something like that I've not I'm, it's, I've seen a few little hey, bits I've not got the full story hey, hey bro keep it down bro. keep it down bro <laughs> so yeah so Highlanders <laughs> I'm sure I saw a quote I might be talking out of school here I'm sure I saw a quote someone online of Every time Highlanders play, there's a massive party. I can hear every beat. So I wish I lived there. <laughs> hear every beat. Grow up. Like, what do you expect when you li- live next door to a, you know, a twenty-something-year-old yeah, megastar? Parties at Joshuani's house. Yeah. Out of hand. I want to get a uh, invite well, I mean, to Joshuani's house. Out of hand. <laughs> out of hand does not mean it was a bit noisy. Like, Dun- I, I want like Dunedin house party. Say the revelry had been getting worse over the past yeah. few months. Good lads. Yuani, alongside a few others, Yuani uh, is the only one I recognise of these guys. Um, after police were called to a house party on Friday night following their loss to the Hurricanes. Neighbours confirmed they've been going on for some time. What? Well, like, how, how long did they expect the party to go? Go and join in. Let the boys play. <laughs> yeah. They so hold on, but why is why are they getting stood down from their rugby playing job for what they do in their own time? It's not uh, like because presumably there's no COVID a, restrictions or anything no, is there no, in New Zealand. So what? Nothing. They, uh, presumably it's um, a clubhouse 
and the police have been called to an incident at a clubhouse. Oh, okay. So right. I can understand an investigation no, into it. That's oh. what I'm saying. Oh, I, 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 want, I, want, I want something meaty to have happened at this thing for them to so be the, stood down. Not six, just they were being a bit noisy and upset the neighbours. Several goats were killed. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? It, it sounds like a bit of a non-story. Um, sounds like a great story. It's, it sounds like quite a good party. <laughs> yeah. And it gets progressively better over the weeks. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 the, like the IP this season. That's good. That's what I was going to say. You want people to... They, they did their Monday morning meeting as a, as a household. How can we make next week's party better? Uh, hot, hot tub, bro. <laughs> uh, well, good, good on them. So, uh, anyway, the thing I was going to say about them is there was a picture in the, on social media and it struck me because I assumed that they had one single type of lumberjack shirt, but they don't. They have multiple colours of lumberjack shirts. Have shirt. they? Yeah, which you can oh. wear to show your affiliation to the Highlanders. Which oh. I think was really, really cool. Tim, need you to, need to get your I hands. need to get you my hands on one of these one lumberjack of shirts. I, I wish it someone else. So, a unique sports memorabilia. I honestly think that the Pittsburgh Steelers' terrible towel is up there. And the Highlanders lumberjack shirt must be. I've not. I can't think of any anything else. Rushing ninety two, the bow ties and bow, blazers. Bow ties mm. are excellent. The, the bow tie that wouldn't fit around Camille Shatt's neck. Uh, oh. A what's the club? Was it? Uh, is it Har- the Harlequins blazer? Harlequins blazer is good, but that's just a boat. I mean, there's lots of boating blazers. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, Harlequins kit is iconic. A club which is local. It's always had great yeah. social stash is Stockport. Yeah. So they went a few years ago. Do you remember when the pink shirts were th- uh, pink shirts were quite trendy with like a blue like blue stripes down them. That sounds awful, but you like the Ralph Lauren ones. Oh, Stade okay. yeah, No, like, so like going out shirt. Going out. Oh shirt. right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So going out shirt, button button down, uh, like salmon but with like very thin blue blue lines down. They were quite cool for a little while. Well, Stockport had their own, and they had just a, so it looked like a Ralph Lauren shirt, but it actually had a little Stockport. Little Stockport, that's quite cool. And they had another one which I saw because I used to see them out in Didsbury, you know, when we weren't prisoners in our own home. Um, <laughs> I, I saw them in. They had tank tops one year. <laughs> like every for a while, every year they had like a different item of social going out gear. I like that, and you couldn't notice. You wouldn't notice Stockport. So yeah, you know, like three or four. Do you know the other thing? I just thought the iconic garments that clubs wear. Mustard chinos at Bath. Mustard chinos, or, or faded red. Like mm. you know, you, you buy a pair of red chinos, you, you get your um, you get your uh, house staff to wash them several times. Yeah, and then you go two to dozen the times. Bit of bleach. We, we need to get some sartorial egg chasers, a, a sartorial egg chasers range, a gentleman yeah. gentleman's had, range. Yeah, we had the ties for a little bit. We still yeah. got the ties. We got, we got the. Um, the Akuma shirts. Yeah, the Akuma shirts. But again, it's not. It's not we need something more sartorial, like yeah. uh, flat caps. We are in Manchester. I mean, Matt, I, I'll tell you what I could do with a flat cap because I need my hair cut so badly. <laughs> you need your hair cut so badly. Yeah. Do you want yeah to mate, I'm a bloody... I've got to go you, on TV are, with this haircut. I've got to say, um, I don't, I don't want to say this in front of you, Tim, because it's awkward. You work with these people. But since lockdown, the BT Sports um, dress... Dressing up as... They've started to dress down. That, that's what I'm saying. They're all in the hoodies now. Not Bafes. Uh, no Bafes is the exception. Never Bafes. Either in hoodies or... yeah. I accept that sometimes it's cold and you need to have a body warmer and a jacket. But when it, it first kicked off over at BT Sport, they all looked great. And I think lockdown has encouraged them to not look so great. We've got mm. lots of trainers. got some tight jeans. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's been noted. Everyone looks smart, but not as smart as they, they used to. Maybe, maybe it's... I mean, I don't... I, Maybe it's appealing to a 
a broader demographic. Perhaps. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a conscious choice. Look, lockdown happens for an extra twelve months, and I predict that they're going to be doing it in their in their pajamas and dressing gowns. <laughs> Joggers. Yeah, that was the one good thing about working at the weekend is actually just wearing clothes. Yeah, it felt good. I do to wear to wear a jacket. Yeah. So, so the quarterfinals in the Challenge Cup are ba- uh, uh, sorry, London Irish West versus London Irish East. Yeah. Mm. And I think London Irish oh, West will edge that. No, give me London Irish original brand. Ooh. I'm with you, Phil. I think London Irish will do them. London Irish original. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Because ba- Bath still have designs on doing things in the league, so they might mix and match the team a little bit, maybe. I understand they're going for it full ball. Mm, Are they? I think they'll go full mm. ball. Oh, well, yeah, that's a I'd, tasty game, though. I'd, because also they got spanked pretty hard by London Irish last time round. Mm. So that's the Friday night game. Yeah. Friday 8 uh, That'll kickoff. be the only game on Friday then. Yep. Yeah, so we'll be watching that. Yeah, that's good. Saturday, Leicester v Newcastle. Tigers. 12.30pm kick Tigers. Off. We've, we've seen this a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think Tigers, Tigers will win. I think Tigers will win this one. Um, but never never all Newcastle out, obviously. Montpellier, Benetton. Meh. Montpellier. Benetton. Benetton to get their third win of the season. Uh, after dispatching Stade Francais. Stade Francais and Agen. Yeah, they're clearly big uh, top 14 big game hunters. They are, so you don't get too much bigger than Montpellier. Nope. With their enormous South African pack. Nope, yeah. they'll beat them hands down. And Northampton face Phil's beloved Ulster. Oh, I wish I could go to that game. Northampton Ulster? Where, where is it? Franklin's Gardens. Franklin's Gardens, yeah. When did the restrictions lift for sports grounds? Uh, after that yeah sadly it's a real shame um, give me Ulster yeah I think Ulster I think Ulster are going to win this I think Ulster as well although again the spirit Northampton showed I would not rule them out they uh, they did so well to win that Dragons game Ulster winning that I think it's going to be Ulster-Leicester final so what is what, in the semi-final be a draw so we're saying that it's going to be London Irish I'm saying Bath uh, Leicester Montpellier Ulster that's a pretty oh, tidy. That's on. a pretty tidy. But uh, Montpellier still in, still in that. Montpellier are, but Montpellier, they've got all this talent, but they're weak. They, they're weak willed. They, they lose big games. Mm. Any any other business? Any other TV shows you've been watching that you recommend? I am watching so much Grand Designs at the moment. I'm, ob- I'm obsessed with Grand Designs. Well, I I um, built a digger. <laughs> you did yeah. build a digger. excavator. An excavator. Yeah, I built a. Um, can't even say the name of the brand though. Lego Technic. Lieb Liebherr. Oh, Lieb, right. Lieb, a Lieber nine eight hundred. Tim. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> very very pr- very very proud of that. I'll be coming down uh, to the rugby dungeon soon, and I'll be shouting at the kids. It's not a toy over and over again. You can what? help me with my own grand design with that excavator. I absolutely can. It's bloody enormous. One show I really like, by the way. Uh, I really like Naked and Afraid. But it's it's a weird one to watch when <laughs> that when, when, when one of your kids walks in and says, "What are you watching?" Um, what is it? I've never even heard it's, of it. It's really good, it, and it's it's not it's not. Are they afraid? It's not gratuitous in the way that it it sounds. You get it's like a survivalist type show. You get two wannabe kind of survivalist types, and they get dropped in the middle of somewhere on Earth in a really inhospitable place, like in the jungle mm-hmm. or wherever, and they have to survive for twenty one days. And they have they're naked when they start, and they they just have a little Hessian bag. Wow! With, and they're allowed to take one tool with them. So sometimes they take a fire lighter or a knife or a whatever a net, and that's all they have. And they have to survive for 21 days. They can tap out and say, "I'm done." But um, 
Is it's, it, it's really cool. Is it a bit like... If you gave me 21 days in an inhospitable, in, inhospitable environment, the only thing I'd need is my knowledge of capitalism. I have a financial district and a metro <laughs> running within three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> is it a bit like uh, Terminator 2, where Arnold Schwarzenegger appears in the present at that time naked and says, <laughs> I need your boots. Yeah. Your, your boots. Your clothes, your boots and your motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, what exactly happens if you show up in like 13 days time and he's wearing the skin of another human? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cool. Anyway. Uh, what, what was this <laughs> cut, cut. But it was quite, it was quite embarrassing when, uh, when my son walked in and there was just two naked people on the thing and the sh- uh, what are you watching? <laughs> and then saying it's naked and af- it's called naked, naked and afraid. Uh, just a program. Just one of Daddy's programs. <laughs> Why are the lights off, Dad? Um, yeah, no, it's good. Uh, the, uh, the, the boring one I'll tell you about is the, the Chef Show on Netflix. Abs- ab- absolutely love that show. I'm, I watch it religiously over and over again. Is that with a guy from Friends, isn't it? Uh, John John Favreau. Yes, he turns out to be a marvelous maker of maker of television. He, all, he randomly also wrote Mandalorian. Mandalorian, yeah, which is incredible. What what range is that? Wow, it has like enough. Um, it assumes that you know something about cooking, so it's not it's not patronising, and it's not all airy fairy and uh, you know uh, what's the word for it? It's not too arty. Okay, not, not too up itself. Yeah, so yeah, that, that that would be my TV show. Uh, but at two hours eight. Who cares? Who cares? Two hours eight. I know. I don't know how we got to that. Wow. Well, no, I'm not. Time su- flies. I'm not remotely surprised. However, mm. standard. Uh, yeah. Two two last things. Uh, plug this week. Ropey Dungeon. Uh, Josh Bayless will be out anytime soon. Mm. You can watch that on YouTube, which is great. And did, did also- you did you swoon? You're a big Bayless fan. I tell you, I'm a big big Bayless fan, and he's a lovely boy. Lovely Han- boy. Handsome man as well. He is. Mm. And the other one is Will Evans, who will be on. Oh, nice! Sometime in sometime midweek. Yeah, who's your archetypal seven in your in the traditional system? Yep, but an eight, in, an eight in the new JB <laughs> back row system. Right, we're contacttechchasers at gmail dot com. Your emails, your thoughts. We'll have to do another Q and A pod. We do a monthly one, and it's now the start and of the month. So you're we'll going to be that. taking home that dragon shirt, and you're going to be taking home that whale shirt, and posting them to the appropriate people. Yes, I am, and we'll do the shirt giveaway on the next podcast as well. Perfect. And we'll, yeah, we'll do a Q&A podcast soon, so contact Chases at gmail.com, at jbeardmore, I'm at Cocker, we're at Rugby Podcast, hit subscribe on YouTube, and let the boys play. Yeah, boys play. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag, say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 